ready? Hey guys, new podcast. Uh, real quick, let me run through some dates. Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, January 28th through the 30th. Richmond, Virginia, February 4th through 6th. Pasadena, California at the Ice House, February 12th. February 18th through 20th, Omaha, Nebraska. February 21, Vancouver at the Rio Theater. I will be doing the Just for Laughs Northwest tour. Uh, March 17th, Columbus, Ohio. It is a call-in sick-to-work show. There is no typo on the website. The show starts at noon. I will be going to Dave and Jimmy. I will be drinking with Dave and Jimmy. I'll be going directly to the club at noon, and we will sell it out. Do you know why? Because it's St. Paddy's Day, bitches, and we're getting fucking loose. My wife's not coming. Fuck her. Watch it. Okay, she's in the room. Uh, April 7th through 9th, Virginia Beach, Funny Bone. I will probably be canceling that. Because I've canceled on them seven times. <laughs> Why stop Rick, now? I am trying not to, but I just know that when I book that club, something really good happens in my career. <laughs> April 14th through 16th, Des Moines, Iowa. May 13th through 15th, Brea, California. May 9th through 21st. Is anyone going to even pay attention to this? I Washington, D.C. and then Burbank. And you're too I've, far out. I, now you're too, it's far, too out. far out. Fuck it. You okay. do through the end of March. I don't know when they're going to listen to this. Through the end of March. Okay. There we go. Those are my dates. Go to my uh, com. In the top right-hand corner, uh, below my name, you will see my Twitter link, my Facebook link, my YouTube link, and some link with a U. I don't know what the fuck that is. What is that? Oh, it's Live. Oh, is that still up and running? Yes. Oh, wow. If you want to see anything I've ever done on Travel Channel, click that. Holy crap. Well, I learn something every day, don't you? Nice. All right. Nice way to go, Steve Axworthy. And those are my uh, those are my dates, and those are my info. And go to burtburtburt.com and get yourself a shirt, or get my book, Life of the Party. And if you haven't, do me a second. Just take two seconds and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, this is the middle one, right? No. Oh, I- oh, my wife's here. Yes, I am. Hi, Leanne. Hi, Bert. Uh, this today's episode is with the guy I talked about yesterday. How pivotal was this ep- this podcast? Uh, I think it was a pretty big deal, actually. It's a really big deal. I think this podcast, if, you, if you're if you a fan of comedy, which I don't know why you're lis- not listening to this if you're not, um, this guy is a groundbreaking comedian, and we had a great fucking conversation that lasted over two hours, and then had another 30-minute conversation in my front yard about me and how I was working, and it was, I was, uh, it was extremely eye-opening, and I am very grateful to have met this guy i've been a fan of his for probably 17 years he's been doing comedy 30 freaking years wow yeah is it before i say his name is there anything 30 years yeah 30 years he's not that old though that's what i said the whole time i kept looking at him was he 15 when he started i I think he was 17 or 18 he's got to be like i'm 45 he's got to be like he said 30 years in the podcast he said 30 years that's crazy i said i've been on stage ten thousand times and i did the math and i hadn't (laughs) so i was like i looked at last night i was like i've been only on stage two thousand times but i've been on more than that i'm sure but i just i'm trying to do the math of yes can you guess how high i've been in the air uh is that a loaded question no <laughs> so what did you want to do you want to talk about anything well, real quick you know, before the I podcast just, starts i just wanted to say that this episode is brought to you by squarespace start building your website today at squarespace squarespace yeah that one squarespace.com enter the offer code bertcast at checkout and get 10 percent off squarespace build it beautiful build it beautiful and this guy's built his career beautifully uh, he is, 
I'm going to say I'm going to say the best storytelling comic out there. I by the way, I consider myself fucking up there and I sat I I let's be called spade a spade. I consider myself a really great storyteller. Uh and but and I'm not bragging, I'm just saying I I like go to bed and I go you do a good job, Bert. This guy, I sat and watched an hour's worth of his videos of just the way he's told story and I picked his brain and I'm being dead honest with you. I I've been working since he, we had this podcast on exactly what he said, and God damn it, if he didn't have the keys to the kingdom. Mm. Uh, you might know him from his, uh, his TV show, Titus. Guys, it is my honor in the man cave to have Chris Titus. Bam! This is I think my oldest, my youngest will not be going there. But my- <laughs> I know. You have what, what, my kid may go play professional soccer, but Notre Dame's going to be. We're going to work. We're going to get him in there. Yeah. I'm gonna have to blow somebody. <laughs> there's like, no, yeah, yeah. there's no way I was making it in that school. I love that kid to death, but man, school's kicking her ass. Um, I got him in mathnasium. I took him to mathnasium to get him some uh, to get him like uh, some some tutoring. My dad never did that. My dad was like, "You do your fuck. Hey, what is that your homework? Do it." Dad, yeah. I don't know. How to, shut up. Did they teach in school? Do it. And I a DF. I was a DF student. I graduated. I had to go back to school. After I graduated to finish summer school, they gave me, they let me participate in the ceremony. Yeah. But like I was going to, they handed me a blank piece of paper. I didn't get my diploma. They handed me a blank piece of paper as I walked across stage because they thought, I guess, like how shady was I? They thought, you know, if we give him a diploma, he's just going to run. <laughs> they gave gonna, you a blank piece of they paper? They did. So, like, I had to go back. So there's no confusion. <laughs> right, exactly. You didn't care. We're going to let you do this so you're not horribly t- traumatized for the rest of your life. But you, you better be back here on Thursday. That's hilarious. So you grew up in uh, in Southern California, right? Northern, well, back and forth. Northern California for a while, and then uh, I, from when I was a kid, I ran away when I was uh, when I was twelve. I got in a got in a, not a fight with my dad. Uh, it wasn't a fight. I got my ass kicked with my dad because my mom had brought me back uh, two days late from vacation, and my dad started calling her a cunt and flipping out. And so I, I remember I, pe- I, had, I had I had one of those you know those you used to you put a corner and you get that, you get that big plastic ball full of something toy yeah, yeah. and I had ones in my pocket. And I was 12 years old, and he was, and I just spent two weeks with my mom, and, you know, my mom was not, like, the most responsible person, but whatever. I was a kid with his mom. We had a great time with yeah. Idaho, and he, she brought me back two days late, and, and he was like, school's tomorrow, that fucking cunt, and, and he's doing this to me in front of my grandma, too, and I turned around, and I just winged this thing at him. This little plastic thing hit him in the arm, and my father was this big of a dude. He grabbed me by my ankles, both ankles in one hand, and just spanked the shit out of me. I mean, held me upside down. Fuck. I was 12, I know, and I was like, and so... And my mom, uh, about a, a couple years before, had given me 20 bucks in case I ever needed a call or for an emergency or something. Because parents, when you divorce, they do that weird, there's always subversive CIA undercover. I do that shit married. Don't you? Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Mom's acting like a bitch today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just let me know. You get, I get, you get hand signs to your kids, <laughs> like a third base coach. Yeah. And they just turn around, we're going to go play. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Um, so I, I, the next day was the first day of seventh grade. Eighth grade, first day of eighth grade, and I walked to the bus stop, and I got and I just waited there, and I stood there. It was weird. It was like it. Was, I stood there as everyone got on the bus, and then I turned and I walked away, and I walked down the street. I went to the uh, the freeway on Mallory Avenue in Fremont, California, Newark, actually the Newark side, and I, and I hitchhiked to the San Jose Airport. I called my mom and said, "Hey, I'm at the airport. I'm not living with dad anymore." And I got on a plane. You're out twelve. It's twelve. Yeah, it's twelve. 
Holy so, shit, man. Yeah, and the, and the dude that picked me up was this, and I didn't know anything about gay people, but it was a Chevette. I'll never, I'm a car guy. It was Chevette, and he had uh, flowered seat covers. Flowered. And he was like, he's like, what are you doing on the freeway? And I was like, well, you know. And, I, and I'm, a, I'm a, it's funny, because kids, know, now that I have an 11-year-old boy, I bust him all the time, so he stopped doing it. But we will, they will make up absurd lies. Uh-huh. So I start going, oh, you know, I'm, you know, vacation's over, so I was just going back to my mom's house. He goes, why isn't someone taking everybody? I go, oh, my dad has to work. So they just said, you know, hitchhike to the airport. <laughs> Shut so, up. So this dude stays with me. He takes me to the San Jose airport, stays with me, goes inside and everything. He even bought me a book on Evil Knievel, man, and, and, and he made sure I got on the plane. Holy crap. And then I moved to my to – my, then I called my dad for one night when they landed. And then uh, – and I lived, in, I lived in L.A. for 12 – till I was 12, till I was 14. And then at the end of those two years – uh, we'd been evicted twice with the sheriff. Like, it's pretty bad when the sheriff knows you by name. I opened the door. How's it going, Chris? Oh, uh, hey. How's it going, Philip? You know, <laughs> Mom, I'll get Mom. Don't worry. Here, just give this to her. <laughs> like, so that happened twice. And then uh, and then I, came, then I went and visited my dad the next summer, uh, two summers later. And, and when I came back from summer, my mom picked me up at Burbank Airport, and we went to the bus stop. We got on a bus. And, and I'm like, what happened to the car? Oh, I had to sell the car. Okay, so we go to this bus stop. We go to Burbank, another bus stop in Burbank, and then we get to another bus stop. And I go, "Where are we going?" Because the house is like not that far from here. And she goes, "Uh, well, uh, we got evicted again while you were gone, and we're living in a friend's garage." And I was fourteen, and I remember thinking, at fourteen, I was like, "You know, I'm already having some major normal fourteen year old problems." Fuck. But you can't bring a girl home with a garage door opener. You can be. Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> it's my mom's cot. Woo! <laughs> and so, so that was that was fourteen. And then the next day, I called my dad, and I, and I just because yeah, I'm a kid. I actually had no uh, loyalty. I'm not, I'm not stuffing this. I'm not suffering this for the garage. Fuck yeah. that. Not doing <laughs> no it. Not fucking no fucking way. You know. <laughs> so, uh, so that's it. and then moved back to my dad's house, and then 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 after that it was uh, so I lived in Northern California from from then on, and I started comedy in San Francisco. You started in San Francisco. I started in San Francisco. Yeah, I started. No, when you started, was your I have like a million questions, but I'm, I don't. And, but I don't have like I have no route of how I'm going to ask them. So hopefully, I'll get them all in. Yeah, like, go ahead, man. Do you did you did you have your style when you started, or did no. you? No. Oh no, I saw was shit on toast. Really? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I can do. I, I've told this bit before. One of the bits I had was I had a bit called Car Butt. When you're a kid, I tried to be Cosby. I was. I wanted to be Cosby without the raping. I wanted to be Cosby, and and because I grew up on Cosby, I decided at five I was going to be a comic. And I would do this thing. Yeah, you remember when you were your kid and driving around? You do that three hour trip and you get out and you got car butt. And I would do this stupid walk across the stage. And 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 then I did another bit about yeah, my shower has two settings, Arctic and lava. And I would you know, in the morning. And, yeah. And it was I did a five minute bit about waking up in the morning and how hard it was. And it was all innocuous nothing. And and I pulled it off with a lot of head movement. Like I like you know, yeah, yeah, a lot of head movement. <laughs> yeah. And I had this weird like it's kind of coming back now because we're filming this movie, so I'm let my hair grow out. But we uh, like I had this weird this like my people would be like, dude, can we surf your head? Because it was literally this huge wave on top to the side. And when I moved it, it went and it was ridiculous looking. So I didn't even have a joke. I would just go da 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 and move my head like that, and then people go, his hair is funny. I used to do this thing. I still do. I do it. I stopped doing it altogether, and only because I was like, oh, it's a crutch. But then now I look at it and I go. I wish I could remember to do it more, but I used to be able to like open my eyes real wide, yeah, and it would get the biggest fucking laugh. Like just go like, like just make this dumb face, right? And my and I would get a huge laugh, and I I ended up all my fucking punchlines were like eyes wide open, and then looking like if I if you looked if I don't know why 
But, you uh, know what, though? But now it's funny because now that we've done this for so long, and I think now we know what shit and what isn't. Yeah. I think now you can go back to the arsenal that because those arsenals saved our asses. Like we, can you imagine just being not having those things and just telling shit joke after shit joke with getting no response? Thank God for my hair wave and your big eyes. Fuck yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, now I'm trying to think of the bits I did. So, so when did you? What was the what was the progression from open mic to um to uh to the special that like literally I was I was listening to people talk about you uh, the other night. To Norman Rockwell? The, uh, uh, killing Norman Rockwell? Uh, no, uh, Norman Rockwell's bleeding. Nor- yeah. Norman Rockwell's bleeding. Yeah. Everyone was like, oh, it was like, it was really cool to hear. They were like, oh, you have no idea. That shit changed the game. Like, he came out, I guess you did it in Montreal? I did it, I, well, here's what, what happened with Norman Rockwell. Norman Rockwell, I, so I did that, con- I did comedy, like the shit comedy for like 12 years. And I got to the place where I was, because I had so much energy and, I, and, and on stage, you know, I've always kind of thought of, like Springsteen is the consummate performer. Springsteen never backs the fuck off. He never does. Three yeah. and a half hours. I saw him in '84, and I decided that I was going to perform full out. And Robin too. Robin, when Robin changed the game, when when Reality Real Concept came out, I was like, because Robin just cracked open this toy box, and we were everybody was just talking, you know, from Mort Saul to to David Brenner, they're talking, and you know, Carlin was just an amazing writer, and then Pryor was just telling stories, and then fucking Robin Williams came in and did ninety five characters in thirty minutes, and, and was like all over the place, sweating, yeah. no mic, just like, yeah. and then the weird, like he'd go into his brain, and the, the comedy went it went stupid talking about his dick and holding his dick to doing that whole thing about the the inner voice in his head about you know, and so. So what I did was I did that for a while. And I was headlining. I was been doing comedy twelve years. And I was headlining. And like doing the road, like uh, like Funny Bones or just yeah, like- Funny Bones. Yeah, but you know you're just barely making it. Yeah. You know you're, just ba- yeah. you're head- I'm a headliner. Yeah, yeah. And you're just the guy that goes up last right now. I told I made a comment one time to a club owner, and I was like, uh, you know, I looked at your calendar. I'm like the youngest headliner you got, and he was like, yeah. Cheap. Yeah, you're the ch- <laughs> also like, also the cheapest. I was like, oh wait, I never thought of that. We're not <laughs> yeah. all making the exact same amount of money. <laughs> Everybody else isn't making eight fifty. Everybody else, really? There's someone getting more than me. You know Billy Gardell? Yeah, I love Billy. Billy Great said guy. to me one time, he goes, "Don't ever get ahead of yourself. You're always going to be a nine hundred dollar headliner deep down inside." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm always that guy that agreed to the third show Saturday. Yes. <laughs> Deep down, if there's a, if, right now, my price is just higher. I'm yeah. just a more expensive whore. Yeah. That's all it is. If someone said, Titus, why do you do a third show on Saturday in Houston this next week? Uh, I'd be like, uh, no. And they go, we're going to pay you five grand, ten, ten grand. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. My buddy Tom Segura. Did you know Tom? Uh, I don't know him. I know him. Very yeah. funny cat. He's very funny. He just, he, his Netflix special came out and he was, he's heading to Denver. And he called up and he's like, hey, man, they want to. Add three fucking shows, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. He was like, "Yeah, it would be three shows Friday, three shows Saturday, two shows Sunday." And I was like, "What are they giving you?" He's like, "95 percent of the door." I probably shouldn't say his numbers, but it doesn't matter because like, you don't know what night it could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And he was like, "I mean, I mean, do I have the right to turn one of those down? I feel like it's a lot of work." I was like, <laughs> I was like "Yes, yes, you have the fucking right." Was but like, that's the road in us. Yeah, I have to do that show too. Because yeah, because like, there's never been a, you get to that place where you're now all of a sudden making money and you're like, "Well, fuck, I gotta do it. I gotta." Yeah. Um, but so so we go back. So you, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think I don't think it's a bad thing. And now when I did have my TV show, I got I was working so hard that I got to a place where I I I, 
I wouldn't stop working, but I, I got kind of snippy with everybody because I was writing, uh, writing on the show, acting on the show, helping direct on, on set all the time. And then, and, and, then, and then Fox was sending me out to do fucking TCAs. And I was having to write new shit for Politically Incorrect or whatever. For, for, and so I was always – I was constantly in the writer's room, and I, I got to the point where you, you can't burn yourself out. We all are road dogs, and we can't burn ourselves out because if you do, you start to get fucking snappy. And, that, and I snapped on the network president, and, and hence I have no show now. <laughs> Is that what happened to Titus? Yeah, yeah, really. It wasn't the ratings. Yeah, no. I, I, Gail Berman. We had three presidents. I told this on on, on Mark's podcast. We had three presidents in like th- three years, and I was at a deal at Fox during that time. Gail Berman. with Mindy and Michael. Oh, they're great. Yeah, yeah they're and great. I was. We were developing a sitcom, and every time I'd come in, and it would, it would. Everyone was talking about Titus, and it was like, it was like, uh, and and I remember there was just an influx. So it, was, it was Doug Herzog originally. Herzog and, was great. Herzog, yeah. Herzog's the best executive I know. Yeah, him and John Langreth, but but Herzog's this guy. That's really good. Keep doing that. And if something goes wrong, Herzog goes, "Hey, fucking fix that." Yeah, hey, everyone. He doesn't have. He doesn't want to give you a, t- a thousand ideas that don't. You know, if you're being funny, he goes, "That's funny." We actually went into Doug. It's Fox promo department had, had came up with this shitty campaign, horribly shitty campaign for for the show, and I flipped out, man. I'm like, look, we got this one shot, man. I and I I talked to Jack and Brian. I said, let's get the writers together. Let's write a bunch of. I go if we look, if we make the audience laugh in 15 seconds in a promo, I guarantee they'll watch the show. Fuck yeah. We debuted with a 20 share because we those all the promos were a 20 share. All the all the promos were just funny. It was Stacy Keach was pretty much in all of them, and the kids and throwing me in the water, and they, everything was just just set up. Bam, me me talking to camera, set up, and then hard joke, and that was it. And I think, the show is your fingerprint entirely. One of the few sitcoms yeah. that was just that was your fingerprint. Yeah, we well, I wrote Norman Rockwell. If you look, I mean, the first episode we raped Norman Rockwell's bleeding. So what happened with when you asked how it got? And by the way, keep me on track, dude. I will add the shit out of this. Um, I. Uh, I, I took this thing called the Landmark Forum, which used to be Est years ago. Yeah. A buddy, I was having all these problems with my mom. My, 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 my mom was mentally ill. My dad was a raging alcoholic. You know, I was always, I lived my life. Fuck you, I'll show you. That's how I lived, which is, which can get you success and also give you cancer. Like, there's two things that get you. Yeah. And, and so I was living really like, yeah, I'll fucking show these motherfuckers and uh, DF student bullshit, suck it. And so uh, a buddy of mine, um, and, and he's a great doctor in Chicago. He just he said, "Dude, you gotta fucking stop this." And I started using getting, he to take the form, and I was like, "Fuck you, I'm not taking it." You know, I don't I don't sell flowers in the airport. I'm not fucking drinking the Kool Aid. Fuck you. And so what happened was, is I I took it about three years later because I kept calling this guy and asked for advice. My dad and I are fighting again. Like, yeah. what do I do? He's like, well, "Take the form." I no no, you just tell me what to do. I don't yeah. you know. And I took it, and it changed my life. And I, I you gotta it. love that my fucking long guy. I like just it. I like. Totally I, disregards I like the fact it. I'm doing a podcast. By the way, Titus is gonna be here. Yeah. Make sure you bring it. And no, get this supercharged. He's not really fucking doing leaf blower. To be honest with you, he's just gonna blow the plant off the I table. Was on a podcast the other day, and he literally walked in and was like, "Hey, you got tree?" And I was like, "Okay, great." <laughs> Look, he's just blowing right at us. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> this so, is so basically you, every every movie, every comedy movie I enjoy. Yeah, he's just wow. blowing right in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> he's dead serious. So you I want to see if he blows some shit off the table. Hey. What? I'm good. We're recording. All right. I'm good. And then he turned it back on. <laughs> yeah. I love that. He's fucking... His my whatever my life is going on has no issue with him. He's like, nah, I got I got to blow this. Thing. Yeah, I got right. Hey, to do. You do what you do. I do what I do. Leave yeah. me alone. <laughs> so you took so you took the took course three day course and I took the called advanced course and it's weird. It kind of it kind of points out um, 
Like where you're like basically it calls you on your bullshit. It calls you on all the bullshit. And some of the bullshit that you have really helped you be successful. So, but you pick your second choice. So, like, my second choice was I want to be successful, I want to be liked, I want to be the cool kid. I never was the cool kid ever, ever, ever. I fucking had to quit the football team. Uh, I actually, my dad made me quit the football team, so I was a pariah that year. I fell into a bonfire the year before that. It was just a fucking nightmare. Fuck. And uh, uh, so I was the loser in school. So what I did was, here's what, who I used to be. So I had the head cheerleader, cheerleader was in my um, home ec class. So I, I came back that year after falling in the bonfire drunk at a party. And everybody was like, I mean, I'm talking people wouldn't talk to me. I'm talking walking down the hall with people just turn away from me. Because I was that fucking blow it case kid. I was the DF student. If you're an A student and you do that, people go, oh, he's fucking parties like, like a madman. Yeah. If you're a DF student and you, then you get drunk and fall into a bonfire, you're just the fuck up and people know you're going to end up selling meth at, at you know construction sites. God damn it. So I was okay. a total fucking loser. And, uh, and so what I decided to, and here's my personality, and I still have to catch this because uh, it still comes up. Uh, what happened was is that she was sitting there, uh, Lynn was her name, and she was dating the captain of the football team. And I decided that's going to be my girlfriend. I'm going to show these fuckers. I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't because of her. I was like, she's the hottest chick I've been in love. I was like, yeah. oh, no. Oh, no. I'm going to show all these fuckers. that I, And I did. Three months later, she was my girlfriend. Just by being funny in home ec. Oh, shut up. Nope. And then, and people that then, then it was a different kind of hatred. It was like, it was like, how the fuck did he end up with that? Because yeah. funny, and you know, and I dated her till the end of school. Yeah, and then, and then, did, well, how old were you got into comedy? Uh, I, I, I actually, my first show ever was at the Senior Follies uh, uh, at school. We actually did. Uh, I actually wrote. I begged them to let me do comedy because I wanted it since I was five. And yeah. then, and uh, they said, okay. So I wrote. I wrote a bunch of jokes about all the teachers and the the yard guys. That he, this guy, Mr. His name was actually Mr. Commandatory, and he, he always Great wore a black name. long leather jacket. He it was literally he was literally he was one armband away from working for Hitler. He literally <laughs> and, and he was in, 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 so I did a big bit about him with his Doberman and stuff. And then we then I closed the set with I still remember it uh, uh, on how uh, step by step how to trash a freshman because we were the senior class leaving. I was telling all the juniors how to trash a freshman. And uh, we, it was really funny how to go through it, what, why they deserve trash. And then we brought a volunteer out. My buddy Tony, had we'd hogtied this kid, this volunteer kid, and, dr- and we had beat the shit out of him on stage. We had to drug him, we dumped him in it, and it was funny. And then we left his ass in the trash can with his feet sticking out and walked off at the end. And it was great. It worked. Yeah. And it was the first time I was like, that first shot of heroin is a comic, man. You know. Yeah. Do you remember yours? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, I, made a, I, I remember calling my dad. Right after that, I had to wait until I got home. It was just, there was no such thing as cell phones. Right. I mean, there were, but you could, I mean, no one had them. And I called my dad, and I had played baseball with a guy named Brad Radke who pitched for the Twins and was like was like a Hall of Famer in Minnesota right. where he played. And I'd grown up playing with him, and I called my dad that night, and I said, do you remember how when we were kids, everyone always knew Brad had something special, and that's why he was going to play pro? And he was like, yeah, I go, I found my thing. And he was like, Really? I said it's comedy. I was like, it's. Uh, I go, Dad. I'm really good at this. And by the way, I went up and did twenty. First time I ever did stand up, I did twenty minutes on a showcase show in Florida at a bar. Wow. Where comics did twenty minutes in front of me, and I just went up and did twenty minutes free form. It was probably the purest. Just riffing. Just riffing. It was probably the purest. To this day, when I get to that place where I'm just free forming and not, and I'm not going to my set, and I'm just, it's it's a flaw in my comedy too. Is that I. I look for that. I want the creativity, the moment, the inspiration more than I want to tell a story that I've told a million times and get and get thunderous applause. Right. I want I want that 
I'm like, you I'm, like to be out on the walk in the rope. I love it. And and I, that first time I did it was like that. And then the next time I was in, in then I moved to New York right after that. Moved right to New York. And then started, like you like first set took off. First set. And then I was like, I'm moving to New York. Wow. I got offered a morning radio show by this uh, place in Tallahassee where I was at. Right. They offered me my own show. They came and saw me. They put the whole show on. They saw me and they said, we want you to give you your own show. And I was like, okay. And they're like, you'll be the third mic to this guy. And then when he leaves, you'll, it'll be your show. And I was like, fuck. So I went and talked to the guy that night at the bar at Pop Ellie's. And he was like, I go, why are you going to New York? And he was like, he was like why, who wants to fucking stay in Tallahassee? Yeah. And I was like, well, not me anymore. In my head, I was like, if I just, oh, by the way, I was also written up in Rolling Stone magazine as the number one party animal in the country. That's, That's right. That, that was that whole, it. And that was the whole uh, Van Wilder thing, yeah. right? And so that That's was, legendary. Uh, yeah. Yeah, hey, he's good. He got something. It, it's weird. Oh no, I, I did nothing so, to do with the movie. S- someone told me about you that that you have this way of like I have always felt like I had to, and, and I'm sure you feel this way, but but it doesn't seem to anyone else that you bang your head against a rock wall for five years and then something happens. It seems yes. to be like, uh, yeah, what happened? Well, he fell out of an airplane and he fucking landed uh, on a fucking pile of money that for some reason is his now. Yeah. And then, then then some supermodel decided to marry him. Yeah. Uh, and then some guy, then BMW wanted to sign him, so they gave him three cars that he wants. And fuck, really? Yeah. I fucking hate him. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I was, I still to this day, like I I, I appreciate those guys who go, it's all about hard work. Well, I think a lot of lo- it is luck. It's not just the hardest working guy. A lot of it is luck, and I am oh, very not- lucky. Yeah. I'm really lucky. But I've been, you know, like I was just had to fill out a form for Travel Channel. I'm like, how many stand-up shows have you done in your life? I was Because like, for these stats. Right. And I had to do the math. I was like, holy shit, I've done like 10,000. Well, I fucking have earned the right to yeah. say I'm a comedian. Yep. But oh, then, yeah. But then, but, but yeah. No, so wait, let's get back to you. What, no, no, I'm not saying it's uh, – no, because here's the thing. I, I know a lot of guys that are, quote, lucky that got yeah. big shows, and I go watch their sets, and they, they're not fun. I go, yeah. holy shit, this guy's not funny. I, I get the rap because <laughs> I'm, I'm a big drinker, and it looks like I'm fucking around on stage. Yeah. But, like, even when I'm doing the stuff I'm working on, it looks like I'm fucking around. Right. So, a lot of, so I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm, and I'm dying to ask you how you work on your stories because I'm, I'm like, but not yet, but not yet. Okay. I want to know – so this program then took those, form, yeah. all those things that you that were helpful to you in childhood to get the hot chick. You then applied them yeah, to so, your work. Yeah. So what happened was then with comedy, I started in San Francisco and uh, and I worked. I, 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 I'm this guy. I'm the opposite of you. I'm like I need to get a concept. And write it, you know. Carlin's about. I'm a huge fan, and I have. I will. I was praying to God you were going to say something else, because because I I have obsessively watched you online, like all your stories. Your story, you're the best storyteller working. There's no question. But I got a formula for. I can teach anybody how to do it. That's the thing. Is I'm fucking. I'm obsessed with story right now. I'm obsessed with. um, Oh, I'll tell you how to do it. It's easy. I'm obsessed with, with. Like I literally sat the other day and I was like, best stories I've ever seen in movies. Best stories are like. uh, fucking usual suspects is told backwards yeah all of a sudden pulp, pulp it all unravels right pulp fiction you look at five different stories all coming together as one and then and then like uh the sixth sense he's yeah. dead at the fucking i'm watching these stories and i'm like and i'm then i'm watching you tell stories and, and you have such an easy way about it that it looks effortless and i'm like i'm like and i'm and i'm like there's got to be there's i'm like pray to god there's a fucking formula to that yeah, but, but that you can apply, but like, yeah, you can apply. I can teach him, but 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 the good news is now is that I used to be so obsessive because I was so frightened on stage. I, I I can't stand not getting laughter. I can't stand it. Like it's like every comic can't stand it. Yeah, 
it sends me into a depression. If I have a bad set, <laughs> yes. I, had a, I had a bad set. I, uh, I went down to the improv, and it was Spade was there, and Schwartz was there, and then Joy Coy was there. And, and I, I this whole new show I wrote is all about having kids. Well, Coy goes up in front of it and does literally like the the fucking bit about his son. It's the, literally it's his version of what I'm doing or my version of his whatever. He's, and I was like, fuck. And I already planned it, and I and I and I and I switched it up to another bit from the show, but it was still about kids. And he killed, and I got I got to admit, man, I had a bad set, and it was the first time I had a bad set in like seven years. Yeah. The only other bad set I had was at a at a big corporate thing where the boss had, was drunk and had talked for forty five no for two hours and forty five minutes, and then he started the comedy show, and I was like, fucking, just give me the check, you know, those where you yeah. just burn through it. But I was at the improv and I tanked it, and I and I, and I went home, and I was just I was literally in a, like a like a, and I've been doing this almost thirty years now. I was in a depression. Yeah. I didn't just blow it off. It took me two days to blow it off. So I still have. I still love doing it. Still doing it. So yeah. So what I did was I uh, with stories. Um, you want to hear about the thing? So so what I did with comedy is I I would start in San Francisco and I decided. A lot of the older comics, Slayton was there, and Slayton just fucking gave everybody shit all the time. But I took it real personal. There was a guy named Monty Hoffman. Did you know Monty Hoffman? Uh, I, I do know Monty Hoffman. He's not around anymore. I know. Right? Yeah, I know. I know who it is. Yeah. Uh, I is don't it, know. Just, oh, he was on uh, Last Comic Standing. Oh, what, the ball game? I want to, th- I want to say so. Yeah, yeah. A while ago, I think he died. Yeah, I think he passed away. But yeah. he was, uh... he was an asshole. He was one. Of, he was one of the worst people I'd ever met in my life. He really? would literally, women would come out of the the ha ha go go. And by the way, people say, oh, don't make, don't don't talk bad of the dead. Well, if the dead were fucking cocksuckers, okay. So he would walk out of the ha ha go go. He would walk out of the the ha ha go go or the Holy City Zoo and just turn to any chick. And this, and the weird thing was this: where he'd go, he goes, hey, you want to blow me? Seriously. You see me on stage? You want to blow me? No, no. Tenth, eleventh chick? Okay. Fuck. How the fuck did he <laughs> Yeah. I couldn't even attempt it. So, But he was just not at me. And he would fuck with all the comics. I saw him one night. We were doing the San Francisco comedy competition. And Johansson, who's really a great comic. Jake is so funny. And But he was at his peak. He was like at that young, like full out. He'd written the bit about Jesus. And you know, what if Jesus had slept in a bathtub? And they had it instead of a cross on the wall, it was a yeah. tub. And it was just a, it's a brilliant piece. And Monty uh, and Jake's killing it. He's in the top five, and Monty just kept fucking with him, just and meanly, not not being comic, but fucking with him, trying to fuck up his set. Yeah. And I remember hating the guy for that. Um, so I decided that I was going to become the best comic there was. I just decided, and so I, I hit the road. I had seven hundred dollar phone bills when when you have to have to pay for long distance. Oh yeah. And I just fucking and that's what it, that's what that's what made me successful is that I had this. Road dog, fuck all these guys. I'll play anywhere, do anything, but I'm gonna get good at this. And that's also, but I wasn't happy. I was like, I was like, I was just, a, you know, I would come back to San Francisco with all the new material, and people were like, where you were gone for four weeks, and I go, yeah, I was working the road. Um, and I always hated. I, I got made a decision there too about comics, comics that bitch about audiences on the road. I decided that I would never. I would always try to keep it smart and keep it good. But if it didn't work, I had to figure out how to make it work. Some comics, San Francisco, San Francisco is just like living in a. You've worked there, right? I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. so I'm wearing a cop comedy right, shirt. Right, right. <laughs> it, it's this weird cocoon, like womb, like uh, like Austin. It's like you know, it's like you can do anything in San Francisco, and people, you know, uh, uh, Bob Rubin, who's hilarious, used to fucking put a ham on stage, put a light on it, and he would sing an Elvis song off can off off the stage. Yeah. And it was fucking hilarious. Yeah, in San Francisco. In San Francisco. Right, and so and those guys would come back and oh, the fucking road sucks. You people are stupid. And so I decided that I was never going to blame the audience. I made a decision there. Dana, I got to work with Dana Carvey often, and uh, at the beginning, he gave me a lot of advice that I still use to this day. Uh, and but I but I was just really just grinding it out. And then I moved. Then I got the Kenny Loggins tour, uh, and then I moved to, moved to L.A. way too early. I moved to L.A. in '88, 
and then just started working on the road. And I jumped into an acting class, and I just nonstop. I just thought of something. I've been nonstop for thirty years, man. It's like, you know, there's yeah. no there's no time off. No, uh, there's you don't get. I I don't get an opportunity. I was t- I'm in therapy right now, and uh, I was telling my therapist. He's like, you need a hobby. I go, I'm doing a vlog on on YouTube, and he goes, it's not a hobby. That's work. Yeah. I go, well, I write jokes. It's it's kind of like I take. He goes, that's not a hobby either that's work right and he's like you need like a hobby so i started doing leather working cool and, and it was just so that I, and but it, what it would do it do is shut my brain off yeah and so i wouldn't think about work because i'm obsessive about it but i i agree with what you say about the road and it's something i didn't respect out of what for me was that was the alternative scene when i come to la and they were like oh the fuck who wants to do the road i went to dallas they're fucking horrible audiences and i was like i went to dallas and i had a hard time too but I just figured out how to make strangers laugh. Right. By the second show, you were like, I'm adjusting this, and I yeah. got it. Right. Clearly, they like, like I remember, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example, but like I remember going on the road originally, and I'd started in New York, and I realized, uh, oh, they don't have taxis here. So all these taxi <laughs> bits I have don't fucking work. And and they also don't have Puerto Ricans. So like, <laughs> I was like, I need to rearrange this set to what goes on in life. And I, that... But it's one thing that's always frustrated with me is people that go that look at the road or guys that do well on the road and they assume that guy must be a hack because he does well on the road. But the other side of it is some of those guys are fucking horrible hacks. Horrible hacks. But they'll destroy a room. You see them come to L.A. and do a set in L.A. and they're like, so uh, what's up with the, the Marlins? And yep. everyone's like, what the fuck? Yeah, I've got to be honest with you. So I said the improv, I thought that I thought I left after that bad set and I was like, fuck, man, did I, did I, did I, have, I, have I fucked up my life? I've said that to myself a million did I, times. What happened? Did I get a virus on the road and I'm not funny anymore? Like it was really it, for a guy who's done as long as I have as many specials. I I, I I think we're still like you said we're still the fucking same guy that went up that first night scared out of his mind. I don't think you were scared out of your mind. I sense that you were like I'm doing this. I'm just gonna do 20 minutes. Oh, I was terrified. I was oh, I went and got a beer. I've said this now a hundred times, but I went and grabbed a beer and the guy, a guy that uh, Christian Harloff who works at the store who hangs out at the store. Uh, was happened to be doing a show with me on that night. He's still doing comedy. I'm still doing comedy. And he just happened to say, hey, man, if I were you, I, I wouldn't do that. And I was like, what? He goes, that can turn into a really bad habit. You'll need it to get on stage. And I literally put the beer down, and I said, all right, I'm going to do this sober. And I was, I, was, I was like, I remember thinking, how do I start them laughing? If I can start them laughing, right. I can keep them laughing. Right. But I don't know how to start them laughing. And I mean, I think that was my problem for a very long time in comedy was like, how do I get the ball rolling? Right. And uh and and it's you know it's I I look back and I go I can't I can't believe I'm the same person that did that. I have a hard time calling in sets in the city for the same reason you do cuz I go I'm home man. I don't want to fucking deal with yeah. bombing at home and cuz if I bomb in Edmonton, I get another show that night to fucking rectify things. Right. Well, I bomb here at the store. I bombed at the store in between Bill Burr and Joe Rogan. And I was like Burr goes up and he's just fucking lights room on fire and I really get put in my place of where my act is. Right. Like and I was like, holy shit. And then I was like, well, you know what? In my head, I'm like, I'm like, you know, Burr just took the energy out of the room. Joe just goes on and fucking destroys even harder. And I went, no, 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 it's not them. It's me. Yeah. And I was like, I need to be writing. I need to be working. I need to be doing stuff in the city and challenging myself and making myself uncomfortable. You know? Well, my wife said that to me. She's a comic too. She said, "You need to start doing this." And I'm like, "I just did seven shows. You know, we're doing theaters. We started our own uh, a live performing company, a promotion company. We're promoting our own theaters now, and it's working." And and I'm like, "I don't. When I'm home, 
you know, I ran a I ran a, a soundstage that we were we're starting. We were doing pre production on a movie right now that we're going to start in February, and I'm like. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, it's not even that I'm, I'm afraid of it. I just don't, why do I, look, I write a 90 minute show. It's got a beginning, middle and end. Yes. It starts out, uh, it starts out, I was born with a defect because I was born a child and it ends with this story about my daughter getting the cops called on me and it goes through all why you shouldn't have a kid and it's got a theme and I go, I, why would I take seven minutes out of that and put it up at the improv in front of a, behind some guy who just fucking made fun of an Adele song and another guy who fucking talked about his left testicle and, and you know. And but then again, I, I've never also never I'm also don't feel like I'm one of the alternative guys either. I can't really go to Largo or, or Luna Park. I think you could. I think uh, you could. And I, I deal with the same fucking problem is that I go I'm I'm and I and it's just by design of how my money is earned. I'm a long form storyteller. It, it is it's it's where I've it's where I found uh, it's where I found most success in my in my career is with longer Crazy stories. They also, people, here's what you get, and maybe you don't. You, you agree with this? People always ask why. Like the, the Springsteen story I told uh, is is 28 minutes. That, okay, that's that is like <laughs> I can't put that in perspective to someone <laughs> listening to this. That is like saying um, it's like uh, there's it's like saying Lenny Kravitz went up and did the whole show uh, by. Uh, but by himself, but playing the drums with his feet. I mean, it's so fucking hard. You have no idea. <laughs> I tell a twelve-minute story, and I and I said to someone the other day, someone said something, and I was like, "Fuck you! Tell a twelve-minute story. You have no idea when they, when you start that story. There is a sense of depression of like I'm going to be here for a while. Yeah, yeah. And then if, you get to the middle of it, you're like, I'm still not even close. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, there's some good shit coming in three minutes. Holy God! Yeah. Twenty-two minutes. That is a twenty-eight fuck, minutes. Twenty-eight minutes is a beast. But here's a, but here's the thing is that like I never think of it like that because I never wrote. All right, so do you want to? Okay, so here's how I write stories. Because Burr, I asked Burr to come down and watch uh, to watch Voice in My Head before he filmed it at Flappers. I said in Burbank, and I go. So Bill comes. He goes, yeah, we'll check it out. He he actually he actually kind of hid because he thought he thought it, it sucked, man. I didn't, you know, I was saying nothing. I didn't yeah. maybe. And uh, <laughs> I was like, fuck, I've been doing this a long time. You think it's gonna yeah. suck? I just want to see what he thought. So um, I got my computer open in the back room. And all, and I write, I write it like a script. Form. I write every joke. I write every joke because that's the only way I can get the, get the, get. The, I can scrunch it down. I've you know listened to Seinfeld talk about writing. I've listened to Carlin talk about writing. I've listened and I, and I've taken their advice. And and so, so Bill just looks over. He goes back to me. He goes, "You fucking write this shit down." I go, "Don't you?" He goes, "Fuck no, I don't say." I'm like, "Really? How do you know? Like, how do you know the jokes? How do you figure out how where your beginning, and middle, and end is? Is it just?" Is it just over that time? You just, or are you just that so naturally funny? You just popping that shit off because I don't have that. I'm a fucking, I am a guy pounding fucking nails, man. When it comes to comedy, it's yeah. so interesting. Yeah, I don't write, I don't write long form. I don't write the story out. Yeah, but I, I like recently, I was like, I need to. Uh, I was watching you. Uh, you would take. I, I'm, this is literally the other night. I'm watching you, and I'm getting ready to go to Edmonton, and I'm writing down what jokes I want to work on. And I'm watch. I was watching you. I was watching. Uh, the Moth. I was watching st- all great storytellers, right. and I saw that you have jokes inside your story. Like you have fucking one-liners inside your story. You have th- throwaways inside your story. You have all these jokes inside your story. And I was like, "Fuck, man, I need to, I need to really." And like, there's two stories that I've been working on that I cannot get. I can't break the code to. Okay, you ready? Yeah, I'll give you the code. What's you want the, the code? code? Okay, all right. So here's the thing. Here's how it works. Every single human being on the planet 
if you've lived any time on the planet, you have anecdotes. We all have them. And when a bunch of fucking guys stand around and they talk to their friends, you know, that one guy says, hey, let me tell you a story. And the reason we tell anecdotes is because it goes on for four minutes and then there's a really funny thing that happened at the end. And then grandma said, said oh, I did took those pills. And you're like, because, grandma, you know, whatever. Yeah. Our job is to make that journey funny. So what I usually do is like I'll get a story. And I used to do this really hardcore. Now I'm getting better at it now. And what I've started doing now is I found out that I can now on stage uh, kind of riff a story, yeah. you know, uh, for a while. And then I'll then – first I do. I, I riff the story, make sure it's funny. The, and then I go, okay, now I have to write this. But what I used to do is – and I still do it when I have something that's really big. I write down – You got okay, you need to do the, the dragnet portion. You have to take your story. And write down just the facts, just the facts. You don't want to write any jokes because we sit in a room by ourselves and we don't give ourselves permission to not be funny. We're comics. You ever sit down to write and you write for 15 minutes? You go, fuck, I'm fuck. I'm not funny today. Yeah. Well, no. Leno said once he said that you, you got two halves of your brain. You got the left side and right side. And we live in a, a linear world. We live in like bills and fucking kids. And what time is it? School shit. We live in that world of stress and getting it done. Yeah. And. So it takes about 35 minutes to switch your brain to the creative side. It really takes – I guarantee you this. If you sit down and write for 35 minutes, just write shit. Just write shit. At 35 minutes, you'll write a joke that you go, that's fucking funny, and you'll be funny then. But it takes a while, and the more you do it – because I asked Leno one day. I said, how the fuck do you have so much material? Because before Leno got The Tonight Show and lost all his street cred, he was the best comic oh, you've, yeah. ever, you've ever seen. Oh, hold on for a second there, Titus. Uh, my wife just walked in the room. Did, don't Please don't speak to her, but my wife wanted to say something real quick. I do. You know, have you checked out this Squarespace.com? Don't answer her. Don't Please don't answer her. Sites, they look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. There's no coding required. It's intuitive and it's really easy to use. And you get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Pretty wow. fabulous. So you can start your free trial site today at squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, you make sure you use the offer code BIRDCAST to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Build it beautiful. All right, babe. And Chris, please do me a favor. Don't bring up the fact that she just walked in the room. And we'll just continue with our conversation. You were saying? Just write shit. At 35 minutes, you'll write a joke that you go, that's fucking funny, and you'll be funny then. But it takes a while, and the more you do it, because I asked Leno one day, I said, how the fuck do you have so much material? Because before Leno got The Tonight Show and lost all his street cred, he was the best comic oh, you've, yeah. ever, you've ever seen. I saw him as a child on Leno, mm-hmm. on uh, Letterman, or on uh, Carson, and his joke, I, I, I remember sitting up in bed laughing. It was like, <laughs> uh, he goes, uh, my wife, I come home, my wife's like, uh, I can't find a cat, I can't find a cat. And he's like, I'm fucking... Two in the morning, a cat comes strolling in. She's like, oh, the cat. And he's like, oh, what if that was me? I come strolling in. You think I'm gonna... like, it was like this yeah. great. And I was, I remember laughing so hard. He walked on stage. I used to see him live. And when I started comedy, I was like, I was like 19 and I would go see him live. And, and uh, I saw him, I got to Usher one time at the uh, at Palace of Fine Arts for New Year's. They asked the, all the young comedy. They just basically, they hoard out all the open micers to be ushers, you know, yeah. for, well, you can watch the show for free. Okay. So I get to work all night and then, but, but I wanted to do it. So I saw him and Kevin Pollock. And Leno would walk out on the stage. He, his first joke would be, he just walked to the mic and he'd go, go uh, so did you guys see uh, that Mother Teresa won that uh, Woman of the Year? Thank God. No, so, no, sorry. Nancy Reagan won Woman of the Year. Thank God she beat up that Mother Teresa, bitch. That was his first joke. <laughs> and then he would do it. He goes, he goes, it's great we have live aid and farm aid and, and we are the world. It's great that we're raising lots of money. And, and people clap. And he goes, I got a question. Anybody here heard of voting? And it was like, <laughs> so it was like point. And, he, and it, was whole, it was like it teed two hours and 15 minutes like that. 
And uh, he did my first, I have a I started a charity out of the forum too, and he did he did the first benefit we did, and everybody and he did the Tonight Show for years at this point, and everybody that came to that show walked up to me and goes, I did not know he was that funny. I go, what do you fucking think he won the Tonight Show in a lottery? Yeah, he you was know? a monster. He was a monster. He still still is a monster. He's but, still a great. Yeah, he, oh, you see him go see Leno live, you'll be like, holy shit! If you've yeah. never seen him except for the Tonight Show, go see him live. So what happened is, and a lot of comics rip on him really hard, selling his soul. So he sold his soul, sold his soul. I heard, the, I just recently heard the Bill Hicks bit about Leno, uh, and and although the Doritos commercial was a bad move, <laughs> I, did, I don't, I don't, I don't think if anybody offered you or I three million dollars, we would go. Oh, fuck that! I'm holding on to my integrity what was it? Jim and Norton my '84 Accord. Uh, Jim Norton had a joke. Seinfeld's getting offered a million a year, and people are calling him a sellout. You, you could put me in a show called Jim Fucks His Mother Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, so just the facts. So just facts. Write the facts. And I, I always, what I used to do when I tell people to do this first time, just leave a space. Leave a space. Right, every fact as dry as you can be. I mean, in every detail, you make sure you're detailed because that's where that's where um, someone said once comedy's blowing, stand-up comedy's blowing the feather up in the air. The feather can't touch the, touch the ground. You know, it's the light. You just keep the feather up in there. Just gotta keep it up in the air. So, so what I'll do is, so, so at the end of that, you'll have thirty or forty facts. You'll have these. You know, uh, you know, I was at my dad's house for Thanksgiving. Um, uh, his his my stepmother uh, is someone I don't really like. It's just facts. But, but you're in your room by yourself. Why are you worried about being funny now? Yeah. Just you, you're you're doing your work this is you're fucking laying the foundation then what you do is is you look at these things and you go i got 45 things to write about shit that's a lot of jokes i gotta write fuck so and so that's that's fuck, daunting. i never even looked at it that way so, so then you, you just take your facts and then you go all right every, uh, every the, fact is just a set every every fact is just a setup for a punchline every detail every sentence is just a setup for a punchline Every fucking sentence. So you have 45 things, right? And you just write. You just take the first one. Uh, I went to my dad's house uh, for Thanksgiving. And you, um, you know, because, uh, because uh, pearls working out for him. Whatever yeah. you write. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And then that's, that's the joke. And what happens is you have, now at the end, you have these 45 or 50 jokes, which is a monster bit. I was about as excited as the first Indians that went to Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, crazy. I was about as excited as the first Indians. <laughs> I love that we're doing an imaginary story that we are now writing. Yeah. Before. But you see how easy it is? So every sentence, if you look at every sentence as just a setup for a punchline, the ones, and, and, and the punchline doesn't have to follow the story because the, the, the setup follows the story. You can literally, the punchline can go fucking way off over here. You can go to Maria Bamford land with the punchline. Yeah. And then the next sentence is back on the story. There's a there's a the the best structurally thing. Fuck, I, I've been like I I get lost in the minutia of the story. I get lost in like I I what happens to me is I feel like and I think because I don't sit down and write them out sometimes is I start veering off on like I take a fact that uh, that maybe isn't interesting or 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 I, I get I hold on to an emotion as opposed to a fact. Uh-huh. I, I end up writing right. stories with emotion. Like, right. I was scared as fuck. Right. And that, that's not really a fact. It's just, I'm just saying I was scared and like, right. huh, don't you guys get it? My eyes are wide. Come on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like uh, that's so funny. Like, I have these. Uh, the thing is, it's a lot of guys don't like to work like that. But but here's what it gives you the freedom to do. So let's say you do. Let's say you, 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 let's say you took this little formula and you wrote a, a punchline for every fact in that story. You, first of all, it locks you down to a story, if, especially if, you have a, if it's a great story. So comics, we have these – our anecdotes 
it hit you to pass muster in a comics brain. The stories has to be pretty fucking good. Yeah. So our anecdotes are pretty kick ass usually, um, but we we have the punchline. But our job is to make the journey funny because if you make that journey funny, that punchline that got that the end of the story that got a big laugh just telling it dry will get applause. Because you've actually now kept that feather up long enough and kept the. I, I know it sounds like Professor Titus. No, no, no. I'm just saying. But that's, that's perfect because I look at my story. The probably my. What's the one you having problems with? What's oh, the one? I've, I have uh, three that I'm working on. Uh, for, first one is uh, uh, the story about Ralph Sampson, the basketball player right. who fucking hazed me when I was a child. Uh, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I have one about scuba diving in uh, in. Fiji. Right. I thought I was gonna. I almost died. Not almost died, but I thought we. I ran out of air at ninety feet. That's almost dying. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no oxygen underwater. Yeah. Uh, that's close. And then uh, that's closer than I've been to dying. And then I drank uh, goat's blood with the Maasai chief in uh, Tanzania. I have these, but I have. Here's the other thing. It's like I have these little stories that are like nuggets of, or like the Ralph Sampson that I know. I've got a few beats in it that I know that are funny, and I can get away with telling them. Like the one about I have a story about flying dildos that I've never yet cracked a nut on, I, and I feel like the ending is too bad for it. But I look at like, and then I have all these, I you know, f- four years of adventures that I've done for Travel Channel. Well, that's the thing is that you've done stuff like that. You and, and not only that, but people that have come to see you are probably fans of the show too. Eh, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think I think no? people that are. Fans of mine for stand up or straight stand up fans. They'll watch. Yeah, my well, shit, you're that good. Yeah, but they want, they just want to like. I don't have much of a crossover. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah, I know. I I will say this: all those people that uh, showed up uh, that are pornography pornography fans. I was like, they weren't. I go, well, you're, 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 one of these things just doesn't belong here. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I did that show. They paid me. To, they were like, I actually tried to. I tried to kill that show. By the way, really? Yeah, well, they said. They said uh, they want you for that show, Pornography with the Pawn Stars, and I go, uh, it's a game show. I said, I don't want to do a game show. And they said, well, they just said, what, what's your number? And I threw out a big number. I was like, okay, here's my number. I didn't know that Pawn Stars is like the no- top number five show one. in like 58 countries. They got money up the ass. Oh, right? it is massive. Dude. They were like, okay, fuck. And, I was like, <laughs> and then you can't be a dick and go, well, I'll double that's, that. That's how I got into Travel Channel. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, it was I, I got offered that show, Birth to Conqueror, which I'm now doing again, and... They, I said to them, I literally said to Dan Adler and Matt Sharp, I, you guys can't afford me. I promise you. I, my rate is this. And they're like, and they're like, well, travel will never pay that. And I was like, okay. And then I remember the president of Travel Channel at the time, he's like, let us try. Let us try to give you a number that you'd be happy with. And I had said it to Dan and Matt. I hadn't said it to travel. And I said it to my wife. I go, if they offer me this, I'll do it. And it, they offered me that. And I was like, fuck. I said I'd fuck. Yeah. And, so, and so I ended up doing it. And loving it, and loving it. I, yeah, I loved it. It well, was the best. Well, Travel Channel to this day is the best experience I've ever had in television. I it. Oh, I, that's good to hear. It's I, well, I. My goal is my goal is ultimately to do what you did with Titus to find a way to have your authentic voice on network television. I don't know if that's possible anymore. Yeah, I, I, TV's. A, that's why we're doing this movie. I, I I've sold five other things since Titus, and I just I'm looking at TV right now. And the problem is for us, it's really hard to get TV because you've got the biggest names in movies doing television. Yeah. Now. So they're going well. They, they, even the even even the networks are like, well, let's go ask Travolta. You know, I mean, they're really asking. He's doing that movie on Netflix for uh, that that OJ movie. Yeah. You know, it's gets changed, and you know, you've got the best actors. Period. Doing TV now. And I'm like, well, I'm not playing that game. I'm funny, but I'm not playing that game. And so 
I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to start doing movies now. I, I believe that I believe um, I, my theories on where this business are, is going are constantly changing. However, I believe that the Bill Burr, Rogan, make your own content, yep. create your own content, put your own content online, drive them to your live shows. For me is where I'm at right now. Keep doing television, but like I'm trying to figure out in my head like uh, what I want to do scripted and why I can't do it by myself. And 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 then I, because I've been in development now, I think like I want to say like four years in a row. And they're so smart, aren't they? All the executives come in with such good ideas all the it's, time. It, you know, it, you know what it is. It's it's just like it's like if you give your fucking. I'm not to make this sound about my wife, but if I to ask my wife, hey, what what is my how's my chili taste? She's gonna go. It needs something because she's not gonna say fucking nothing. I don't right, know. Right. I don't I have no idea. Bert, you're the one that makes chili around here. I have salt, like right, right. fucking honey. Listen, what? you've made. This is what I would love to hear. This is, this is the chili analogy. You know what, fucker? You've been making chili for twenty years now. I I would never think of telling you, but here's some money to make some more good chili. Yeah, that's what you want them to say. Well, that's what Doug Herzog did with Titus. We came in with Titus, and and I fought him every turn. Uh, I also had two great guys. I had uh, Jack Kenny and Brian Hargrove, who kind of taught me how to write scripts. Um, they came in, and they were the only guys that I met with that had a fucking legal pad. They'd watch Norman Rockwell, and that's where everything blew up for me when I didn't. When I threw all my act out, I threw everything out, and I started over after 12 years. And I had some clubs that they were like, I went in with Norma Rocco when it was really angry when I first wrote it. And they were like, we don't want it back. They really? said it's too angry. Yeah. And then I had the same people uh, a year after Titus when I went back on the road. Uh, I, had, I had one of them, Sarah Nye, said, hey, I, she picked me up at the airport. She goes, I want to apologize because I wouldn't book you anymore. And I was wrong. I was like, that was fucking cool. Fuck. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I talking about? So it's, the network executives, they, they, they let us just do it. They... They were kind of like Doug was such a cool dude, and 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 Mindy, Mindy, by the way, Mindy Schulteis. At one point, we had, the script was so good, we had the f- script was so fucking funny, because um, we basically just fucking raped the act, and yeah. then we had the black and white, and you know we that black and white and talking to camera, and then we had the, everything was it was three different film styles. We we had to go black and white because I didn't want to have to tell the audience where we were. I wanted them to see it so they would just click. Yeah. So we did black and white steady cam, so it was always flowing, and then we did lockdown for all the flashbacks, and then we did four camera sitcom. So. Instantly, without thinking about it, you knew where you were. Yeah. There was never any confusion. But Mindy Schulteis, of all people, uh, Sandy Grushaw was at, at the head of the network at the time, and uh, the, of the studio, and he goes, he's reading the script, and he's really uncomfortable. He had that network thing where people aren't going to get this. The first episode is called Dad is Dead. We don't see, we don't see Stacey Keach for the last 10 seconds of the episode. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and Mindy Schulteis took that fucking script and slammed it on the table. This is the legendary story. And she goes, if you don't fucking produce this script, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> and like like that, her job was on the line. Like it was like her fucking job was on the line. Yeah. And she did it. And, you know, I was hard on people too. That show, I, it, was, I, I was, it was my name. And I was, I was at times I was, it's got to get done this fucking way. We'd be in the writer's room and we'd come up with a great joke. And, and I go, okay, guys, that's great. What's funnier? And the writers got kind of pissed. I'm like, hey, hey, I'm writing scripts too, guys. Like, what's funnier? I go, like, this is funny. Why, why so we get five more minutes? Let's get something funnier. And everybody would fucking, go, fucking bear down and then push that one fucking that little, little bit of puss out where it was funny. We were like, yes, yeah, you know. And so we worked hard on that show. They were great writers, great people on that show, you know. And and I, it's my only regret in show business that meeting with the network president. It's my only regret where I just wish if I could go back to that day, get in a time machine. Um, and actually, two regrets, and they're both with the same person, Gail Berman. I, I should have just shut the fuck up. Don't let the comic go. Don't let a guy for twenty fucking years 
do what he wants, how he wants, all over the country, with no, and then tell him what you want him to do. You hired me because I'm the guy that does does it well and knows what works. Now you're telling me to do it. So as a comic, I would give advice. Don't go to the meetings anymore. Or if you go to the meetings, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Let every get mad later. I've learned to get mad later. I, I had a meeting where that right when they hired me at Travel Channel, they got fired. The president that said, "Let us find the price." And so now I and then they brought in a new president, and she did not like me. She was like, "Stop production until he comes in and meets me." And and I remember being all fucking flamed up, like the deal's done. Yeah, yeah. And right. I was like, I was like, we're in the middle of production, in the mi- and we just it shut down, and they're like, doesn't start up until you fly to DC to meet her. Ugh. And I and I went in, and my dad said something very smart to me. He said, uh, he said, you know, you you can be, you can have hubris, you can go in and you can tell her what you think about this, or you can eat shit and cash checks. And he said. You have a family, and this is bigger than you. You go in, you listen to her. Maybe she has something to say. She didn't get here for no reason at all. Maybe, and I went and I sat and I listened for one hour. She just berated me, like you have, like your digital footprints horrible. You you have you're not a grown man. You're still a frat boy. Like just really did not like me. Did not like me. And uh, Lorena Ong's her name. I'll tell her name because we're friends now, and she knows she didn't like me. Right. And uh, I didn't say anything. And I said, all right. I said, you know what, I. And I literally went in with an open mind, and all the people Charlie Parsons was about to be about to get fired, and or leave whatever he you know happened. And he literally was like that Matt Butler. Talk, he took me down to like the other. He's like that did not go well. And I, but I, I didn't it. say anything. I didn't say a word. I just went okay. She just yelled at you she, for an hour. For an hour, just yelled at me <laughs> about what. And then, but then started up production. Burt's Conquer was the second highest rated show on the network. They had to do another season, and. Ended up becoming my friend, like literally, like not a mentor, I'd say, in that we didn't, but like someone I, I considered a friend when she left Travel Channel. I was like, I was like, shit, man, I fucking made headway with that lady. Like, right. we've been together for four years. She likes me now. Yeah. But, uh, wow. But, I, where was your dad when I had that meeting? God, your dad should have <laughs> called. Fuck. You were on. You were already working on a show. Yeah. Fuck, I, man. I was. Uh, Titus, talk to my dad. <laughs> So, because uh, yeah. I would, because eat shit and cash checks, I would. I'm done. I don't need. I don't need the whole talk. He could have. You could have just said that walking by me. Titus, eat shit and cash checks. Okay, thank you, Bert. <laughs> Fuck. You know. Uh, you know Mindy's assistant at the time, Tall. Uh, yeah. M- Tall Rabinowitz ran NBC Comedy wow. for like the last four years. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Wow. I walked into a meeting at NBC to pitch a sitcom, and I sit down, and it's, and I go, whoa. Tall. She was beautiful. Still is beautiful. Yeah. But like I had such a crush on her when I worked when yeah. I worked with Mindy and Michael. And I walked in. I went tall. She was like, yeah. I go and in my head. I'm like, wait, wait what is she? Do? And I'm looking and I'm like, where well, this is her office. I was like, holy shit. She's running NBC comedy right now. Wow. And then she was like, we'll do a deal. Like just and I was like, holy, thank God I never hit on her. Thank God I just had a right. silent crush on her. Right. Um. But yeah, that that and they just cancel it. And it's just. Um, the meeting was, you know, the meeting was, we had a meeting with, with Gail Berman and Gail Berman said, uh, Gail Berman, I, I find, uh, in all her shows is an imitator, not an innovator. And she, um, and she's really, I mean, I mean, my experience with her, she was mean all the time. She was, if you didn't agree with her, if you had any, anything that didn't match what she said, you just kind of got cut off. Yeah. I also did this in front of everybody. We were at the big meeting top before Fox and I talked about it before, but and, I, and Bert told me, quit fucking talking about it, Titus. Um, it's over. Fucking 15 years ago. Shut shut up. But it's my only regret. And uh, I sent a meeting, and she goes, 
uh, Darman Greg had just split up Darman Greg, and they and she one of them she had cheated with Kevin Sorbo, and and their ratings went up. And so she said, I want you guys for the next season. She goes, I want you guys to split uh, Aaron and Titus up, and then uh, have them cheat on each other, which we did in episode four, episode four of the show. And I said. So she gives me this whole thing, and that's what I want you to do. And I and I and I knew what Darman Greg had done, and I looked at her. And I looked, my head, I looked, ah, I've told the story, but I don't tell it anymore. This is the last time I okay. This is the last time I'm telling this story ever okay. in my life. I will now just go. Yeah, I had a show. That's what I'm for now. But this is the last time. I look Gail Berman in the face, and I go, uh, "Do you even watch the show? Let me explain to you how this show works." Now, uh, I'm at a table with the studio, all uh, my executive producers, who should have punched me in the face, who should have just turned around and tagged me. But you know, I had to prove my point because the ratings were great. We were getting, we were getting fucking like great press, and they were kicking ass. And and I, it was critically acclaimed. And I said, "Do you even watch the show?" I go, "Cause let me explain how it works to you." I go, "The whole show is based on two screwed up people together make make an unbreakable bond. If I split them up, I've just lied to all these dysfunctional people around the country. These people that come every week to see that no matter how fucked up you are, you could still have a good life." I said, "I said I've lied to them. The show's over." I go, "We're done." We basically set up a premise and killed it. It shows over. We're not doing it. That's what I said. I didn't say fuck. I didn't even swear during it because I was respectful on that. And, and she, man, it's the weirdest moment I've, I think I've had in show business. Gail Berman sat back, put her hands over, and she says, okay, do what you want. And that was all that was said. The next week, every promo spot that we were, we were scheduled for got canceled. Every single one. From now on, it said it would say it would say like seventy show Bernie Mac, and, and they would do commercials. And then at the bottom of the final ten seconds of the Bernie Mac thing, at the bottom it said Titus nine thirty. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. So I learned, and then and my only and my second regret is uh, same woman too. Um, they were talking about renewing the show, and the ratings were good. The ratings were doing well. We were doing well. We weren't sucking, and uh, we were holding our own. And uh, and I get a call from Dana Walden, and Dana Walden says, hey, you need to go have lunch with Gail Berman. I said, okay. And, and Dana Walden, who's really a, like amazing executive, she goes, she goes, and you be fucking nice. I'm on my phone, and she goes, you fucking be nice to her. You take your shit, and you just sit there, and you nod. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And that's not me. If you know me, that's not me. If yeah. I was there. So, but I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to lose the show. I thought that. And I went to this restaurant with Gail Berman, and Gail, it was a very cold meeting. And uh, Gail said, uh, and I kind of, I kind of said, I said, you know, whatever you want us to have a baby, we'll have a baby. Whatever you want us to do, what, just tell me what you what you think you need to do. And I have to tell you, man. Sometimes you eat shit and you don't get to cash a check, so you have to be careful not to sell your soul or lose your integrity. There's a point you have to go. Okay, you know what? I don't agree with you. There's a way to say it with respect. Yeah. But I sat in that meeting and I sucked it up and I kissed her ass and it didn't work. It was more like, a, okay, good, and then the show got canceled. They waited too. So they had, were going to tell us. They were going to tell us. They had to tell us before midnight on this day to go to the New York, and they waited. To, they called me. I got a phone call at eleven fifty six. Show's canceled. They woofkin waited. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. So I learned a big lesson. Don't be don't be an asshole. But I also learned. That's when I decided. Like I I produced my last two specials. We shot them. Really? Yeah. We shot them and sold them. When you say we, who's my my team? My hired cameras and we, we did it and we did it for way less. Fucking way less than anybody's ever charged me for a special. I, you know, I, I was, I'm in the process of figuring out my next special. You, you talk, just call me. While she had to tell you to do it, and you'll be shocked. You'll be shocked at how, how I, I got the first bid from a company, and I was like, I was like, hold on. And then I called up my production company. I said, how much do we shoot our show for? Because we shoot over four days, right? And I go, what cameras? 
like, and I call my camera, my DP. I go, what would like a crew cost, and what would like rentals cost? And he gives me the number. I go, where's this money going? Like, I, I got really, I'm like, I'm like, just, and I said to one of my old line producers, can you just draw me up like a like a spec bid of what you charge? Right. And then she went, this is what it would be. I mean, and I was like, motherfucker. But then, in a weird way, I feel like it's that moment where if you don't play. By the, I, I always feel like if you don't play by the rules and do it with one of the three companies that everyone greenlights to do those, then no one lets you play. It's different for, for you, I think. No. How many specials have you had? Like six? Done six. I filmed the last two on our own. I executive produced all of them, but I, I'm really hands-on, man. I don't like – I don't – look, I, I'd rather – the only special that didn't was was called Fifth Annual End of the World Tour, and that was they took Troy Miller took it over, and those guys those guys at uh, Rick Mill and I. What year is that? It was fucking oh seven oh six or oh seven. I think we filmed it at the end of oh six aired in oh seven oh seven maybe oh seven, and it's the only one that they didn't take anything I said. They didn't give me any approval on sets. They didn't give me. I, I got to edit. I got to do one edit on it, and then they fucked that. They 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 did what they wanted to, and it's the only special I when I watch it. I, I just it doesn't it's not what I wanted it's not what I wanted it's not yeah. what I envisioned it for I, I would rather I'm gonna go down look I'm gonna go down or I'm gonna succeed and, and at the end it'll be because I put it out there I'm a pain in, you know I've been told I'm a pain in the ass to work with because I'm really specific I'm directing this movie because I, I know what I want now, Titus you know and, and so you just have to so here's what I'll tell you so don't call a company you, you know it's gonna happen you're funny as shit yeah. you're really funny I'll thank you okay all it has to look like is a comedy special Get four cameras, film it, <laughs> all it has to look like. edit, yeah. edit it, and 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 fucking you'll sell it, you yeah. know. But you know, I, I believe the universe rewards that kind of balls. The re- universe rewards it. You know, you you can't be arrogant about it. You have to be like, okay, we this is we're all in on this. You know, I'm I'm in in this movie special unit we're shooting. I'm I'm a third. Of, I paid for a third of the budget. I got two other investors, but I'm 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 putting my own money into it because yeah. that's because. You know, I mean, put your ass on the line, or you, there's, there's, it's too easy now. So I, so here's what happened. So I, I get a call. We're doing Neverlution. Uh, that was the fourth special I did, and I they told me uh, New Wave called and they said it's gonna, we, you know, we'll shoot it for two hundred ten thousand dollars. And I was like, and I and I kept thinking, well, the way cameras are right now, that seems like a lot of money. See, doesn't it to set in one room for like a couple hours? Does that seem like a lot of money to you? And I said, by the way, fucking three of the cameras aren't moving. Aren't moving at all. Someone just has to press a fucking button. Right, the two in the back is a wide and a tight, <laughs> and it right. So, so fucking, you were holding the microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I was just like, I'm fucking trust me. I had a right. Michael Bay is not going to blow some shit up during the show, right? Yeah. Are we gonna? Like, is there a car stunt in my stand-up special? How much is my wardrobe? Yeah, exactly. What am I? I'm. I'm wow. Um. So is the curtain made of money? Because are yeah. we just going to hang up? Uh. So what happens is I I I I just sometimes I'll get something in my gut. I'm like ah, you know, I want to see what this is. So I start calling rental houses, and I called a rental house. I called a bunch of them. And I called this one house, and I said, I need four HD cameras. I need a crew. I need a uh, truck that we can uh, to do the switch to switch it live. I want to switch. I want to do, do a line cut, switch it, and then um, I'm going to need uh, a, a guy that can do lights. And they, they come back, and they go, well, how long you need it for? And I go, I go probably, I don't know, 10 hours, 12 hours. And they go, all right, it's, a, it's a 11 grand. And I went, no, okay, so how much is the truck? And they go, all of it. Ten-man crew, four cameras. Uh, and the truck, eleven grand. And at that point, 
I went, well, I know that I'm going to be there. Yeah. So basically, all I got to make sure is the audience gets there. Um, and so then I called the lighting guy, and I talked to a, a buddy of mine's a DP, and I, I said, okay. And I think we ended up – I mean, it's crazy. It's going to piss everybody off when I say what I'm about to say, but comics should listen to this. My first special cost me $27,000 to produce, and we sold it to Comedy Central. That's – I mean that's that, it, that's the same model that Louis said. I want it done this way. Yeah, Louis was kind of inspiration when when Louis did it and he did that online thing. I was like, well, f- you know, I mean, not 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 like I can do it too, but it was inspiring. You're like, fuck, you know what? Yeah. And now he doesn't have to do anything, you know, that doesn't want to do. And so now we're shooting this first movie, second special, and oh, and on, on top of that, we actually booked a theater and promoted it for three or four months. And we sold all the tickets. We didn't give any tickets away. So I made money the night we shot it. So I actually made money on the audience the night we shot it. I fucking... The, the, I'm not... I'm biting my tongue on, on, a, on a lot of my ideas about this because I'm in that situation right now and I... We had a... I'm, oh, I don't care. So we... I had a... I had a <laughs> that was amazing yeah. what you just did. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. You just had three stories going on at yeah. once. You actually had a meeting in your own head. That was great. Yeah. I had an <laughs> offer to do it. I didn't... I said, I want to do this at the DC Improv. I want to do my special at the DC Improv. Okay. Because I love that club. I love that it's fucking broken. I love that it's got a pole in the center that's a bad angle to see it i almost wanted someone to shoot the pole in the fucking way right just the way an audience member would see it right. i love the low lights i love everything about it i wanted to keep the dc improv in the back i didn't want to fucking right that's what it's like to see me live so i you know we get like our first offer and i just and i go and they're like yeah but they don't want to shoot it at the dc improv they want it to be in a theater and i was like yeah but i don't do theaters like i'm not a theater act like i don't I've never done theaters. I've done them, but like it's not like it's actually a little uncomfortable for me because I don't, I don't feel that immediacy. And and I've, I've performed with my shirt off, so <laughs> I, and so it looks odd in a theater. But when you're in a club, what well, looks odd anywhere? But you perform with your shirt off. I perform with my shirt off. Okay. Oh, I've just been tactile issues, and I the fucking idea that I would sweat and that people would then focus on my sweat right. would fucking drive me nuts. But if there's no shirt to catch that sweat, then there's no fucking worry about it. <laughs> and so... Uh, Brilliant! And and I used to get real fucking in my head about what I was wearing on stage. Like, I literally was like, colored shirt? Like a color... No, nah, black shirt? No. I need like... And I and it would fuck me up. Now I just show up in whatever I want. And then I just... Because I'm taking it off the second I get on stage. So, uh, so then... <laughs> so then uh, I, I do the math and I go, well, if I shoot it at the DC Improv... And I go, they go, well, we're going to need to remove like 50, like 45% of the seats. And I was like, well, then hold on. Now you're fucking with the crowd. I want the crowd there. And I was like, and they're like, whoa, don't you want a dolly shot? I go, I don't need a fucking dolly shot. I just want fucking cameramen to shoot it. I wanted them to just shoot it. And I said, well, I know how much I make at the DC Improv. I can make the budget for this thing at the DC. I could sell tickets that weekend, sell out fucking six shows, shoot two shows on Saturday. Yep. And then that that'll be my special, and I, I was like, "Oh, great!" And then you start the ball rolling, and then I I I know I don't know if it's because not everyone gets to make money on that, but it was just like, and then it, and I don't, and what's part of what management does? They just bring you better offers, and they're like, "What would be ideal for you?" And I was like, "Well, the two, one of these two networks," and then they're like, "All right, they both have offers for you," and then I was like, "Okay," and then I was like, "Well, fuck," I just it's like that same situation. Oh, this is what I'd want. Oh fuck! Now I got what I want, and then in my head I was like, 
I was like, I don't. So I'm in. I'm fucking. Okay, so how? So, wait, let me ask you something. You know, the devil makes a lot of deals, and when you sometimes you sign that deal, yeah. and you're like, that's exactly what I want, but you had no control of it anymore. I have this thing where. So Love is Evil was one of my best specials about my divorce and about I, I always try to pick something. I always say like Love is Evil is about how fucked up my my life was with my with my ex wife, and then I met this amazing woman who I'm married now. So it was like I wanted to prove that no matter what you go through, love is possible. No matter how bad it gets, don't get bitter like my dad did. Love is possible. That so I always I always like plan like the show's got to be about something. We shot the show. Um, Levity did it, and and they were they did a great job. They did a great. It looks beautiful. But they owned it. They owned it for five years, and they sold a lot of them. And I finally actually bitched. I was like, hey, guys, you've had this for five years. I've never – we had a 50-50 deal on profits. They sent, they sent me – I had my lawyers have to track them down. It took them four months to get this paperwork. The paperwork has uh, – they made a ton of money on it, and it says at the bottom they owe me $1.80. Uh, shelving fees, uh, uh, restocking fees, blah, blah, blah. And I saw the number they sold. So I'd only given them uh, five years of license on it, and I took it back this year, and I'm selling it now. Every special I've kept, I have made more money uh, doing it online on my own website than anybody has ever paid me, ever. And I got to edit them. I got to shoot them. I got to pick the theater. We made money that night. You could do it. So what did you end up doing? So I, what did- I'm uh- – <laughs> I mean, it's no secret. I'm at Levity, so yeah, they're uh, they're great. They're, they're Robert's I, great. Yeah, I love Judy. She's I I yeah, believe in they're, Judy. They're really great. And they did my first special, uh, my, uh, and well, I haven't made a decision yet. I'm, I'm now I'm stuck in this headspace where I go, where I'm like, I can tell you where I, I I'm I'm obsessed with where I get my content from. As a fan, where do I get it from? That's I want to give it to people that get it the way I get it. You know, you want to get down like I get down. This is how I get down. Right. I watch everything on fucking line. I watch everything on YouTube. Right. And so in my head, I was like, started thinking, what if I just did my special and just put it on YouTube? Fuck, I've never made any money off these things. I, I, I put out, I get a special, it's some fucking nominal fee to shoot the thing. It's not like $100,000 to make to, to yeah. do the special. Yeah. I never not make anymore. money on the DVDs. These, my first, Norman Rockwell, they paid me a lot of money for. Yeah. Norman Rock, yeah, but you know, that, that just doesn't happen Yeah, anymore. it doesn't happen. And so I was like, what if I just shot it? Put it online, and then just, and then, because that's how I. I mean, I well, you like- definitely. Here's the thing: you definitely. They would just call Netflix. You'd be on Netflix anyway. You know, there's so many. There's so many outlets now, and everybody, everybody needs content. Yeah. Now the weird thing is for me though is I don't have like I don't have anything on Netflix. I I don't know what I've created. I've, I think I've created something with my attitude that it's a bad thing. I mean, if you talk to if you talk to Judy about me, she'd probably be like, "Oh, that fucking guy." Me and Judy no. go way back with trouble. No, no, Judy. I, as a matter of fact, I told Judy I was I was doing a podcast with you today, yeah. and she goes, "I love Chris." Uh, he she goes, uh, "A little troubled. No need for a manager." <laughs> well, only because I'm 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 I think I'm better. I'm better. I know what I want instantly, and then I can pick up the phone. Yeah, you know, I have, I have agent. I have a I have a manager, and he listens to me. Actually, investing in the he he believes enough that he's investing in the movie. So. Like that's what I think I've never had. I've never I've had managers that do this. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know. And then then if I create something, they're like, all right, we're on it now. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> I just what? I I Judy is good for me because I I have I'm a big idea guy, but I'm not a big follow through guy. So I say stuff like I want to write a book, and she's like, okay, let me set that up. And then she gets the ball in motion. We sell the book, and then I write a book. Uh, I wanted I, I want to do it. I've been telling her for. Five, five years ago, I said, 
uh, my wife said something very pivotal. She said, if you have something you want, say it out loud to everybody. Don't yeah. ever. And I said it to the fucking guy when we first started this conversation to Andy, uh, uh, who was at DIY. I said, I want a man cave. Right when we bought this house, I, Leanne said, if you want that, you put that out in the universe. Let everyone know that's what you want. It's not because I always felt like you shouldn't. It was shameful to put your wants out there. Like, it was shameful to say, um, I, I want to be. I want a sitcom. I was so embarrassed to say that. I mean, I'd been put through development right when I got in the business twice, back to back. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, I'll just wait till they come to me. And then at one point my wife's like, no, if you want to do a four camera sitcom, say it out loud. Yeah. And I told Judy, I said, I want a sitcom. She said, okay. She set me up with this guy, Eric Tannenbaum. We developed probably three years in a row and uh, it never, it never ended up happening. And then I said, and then I started doing this vlog. And I was like, I, well, you know what? I, I want to make my sitcom. And literally, you're one of the people that I went, you're the person that I said he had his sitcom. That wasn't like, that wasn't Fox's. Titus was yours. And you know the thing about it I'm so proud of is that like the box sets now, to get them, they're 100 Actually, at Christmas, they were up. That I saw one site had them up for $320 for the box set. It didn't end up in the discount bin. Yeah. I'm proud of that. I had went through. See what you went. Through, you've been through development hell a couple times. I've been through. I I love development. I almost get. I have. I get depression uh, when we start making it. Really? Like, yeah, because I I love the development. I love the. I love. I love the phone call. We got a deal. We're, we got a deal at NBC. Oh, shut up. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a push put or whatever. We're gonna do it. And then sitting down and coming up with the ideas. And then I and I think it's because I've never had anything that's really gone other than just shoot a pilot. Right. But like. And it's and it's and the reason it hasn't gone is because it hasn't been good. But I feel like I get depression when I fucking get through script for the first time, and I'm like, Ooh, all the teeth are out of it. All right, so okay, so so here's what happened with Titus, and and this is this is what I learned in the forum. Um, stand for something, fucking stand for something. You know, I, I it made me change. Like Norman Rockwell was written with this idea. God, this is gonna sound so pretentious, but that, but because the show's funny. But I have to go from a place of where am I going with it? I had that fucked up life. My mom was mentally ill, and I said, "How do I make all this?" I don't want to just make fun of my mom and my dad, you know, because um, I have a different opinion of it now because of the forum. Like they gave me life, no matter how fucked up they were. I'm not here without them. I owe them everything, even no matter how fucked up they were. I owe them my my life, my existence. Yeah. So there's nothing they could have do to fuck that up unless they kill me, and then it's over anyway. So uh, I kind of approached it from that. But I, Norm Rock was designed to cause a paradigm shift in the way people see their screwed up lives because dysfunctional used to be a bad word. It was almost like a mental illness. Oh, you're dysfunctional. Oh, we feel sorry for you. Yeah. I wanted to flip that. Fuck you. I can handle way more shit than you can. I've been through so much shit. My mom shot and killed a guy. I'm in. What do you want to do? What are you going to? You going to? You going to upset me? So I, I so and then the second one was to make people not be afraid after nine eleven. I, I said I want everyone to get to this place where there's no it's no point in being afraid. The third one was um, love is evil to make sure that people had uh, to, to, to people know that no matter how bad their relationship was, that new love is possible. The fourth one was never illusion because uh, never illusion because we are we're, we're this country. We're like fuck. We, we got to change this country. And then I'm gonna go watch the Real Housewives of Orange County. And that's, so yeah. it's got never. We weren't gonna talk about it. We're never gonna do it. So I kind of wanted to call people to arms about really changing the country. That was after after the fucking crash, and then. And then voice in my head was to know that no matter how bad you fucked up in life, you're not a loser. You can still do it. Because it's all my fuck-ups in life. It's every, my worst mistakes, including losing the TV show. And then the last one, um, it, w- it was anger pursuit happiness. I realized that I was getting happy. And I had married this great girl. And I was like, oh, shit. I had this horrible fear that my career's over. Yeah. I'm actually, life is getting good. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And I panicked. 
And, um, and so I wrote this thing called Angry Pursuit of Happiness, um, which was about I got that life is going to end for fucking going to end. Don't fuck around. Don't fuck around anymore. You should never have a conversation with yourself about what should I do. You know what you want to do. Listen, Bert, you know damn well that you want to do what you want to do. When you have writers come in and on your special, you have this thing in your head. You see it. I know yeah. you see it. You've done it three times now. Yeah. They bring in a team of writers who, who they go, that's a good idea. And then they go write what they want to do what in the they framework fucking of your idea. Do. Right. Right. Oh, I, we did a, a deal. And I love these guys. I'm not shitting on them. But I remember we did a deal and it was sold on my dad. It was me and my dad and me. It was and, and being part of and travel. I travel the world and I come home with my dad. And I remember the guy, I remember in the script, I was like, I, I go, what the dad character doesn't, like, he doesn't, he, this isn't funny, really. And my dad would never do that. And the guy goes, the guy goes, no, it's something my dad did that I thought was funny. And I go, yeah, but this, we didn't sell it on based on your dad. Like, if you want to write a show about you and your dad, you should go out and you should sell that. Right. But but we, we sold a show about me and my dad. So, like, I would, and they were like. Uh, try, they, you know, and oh, hey, comedian, hey, comedian, hey, 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 we're writers, we're writers. Oh, that so, fucking makes me so, crazy. so by the way, so no, your ideas are great, but we know how to make it into a script and make it palatable, okay? Dude. And you're like, fuck! I had a, I'll tell you a story. I'm in the first this the first time this happened. Actually, it was the second the first time this happened. I was there was a company called C3. Rich Franks was ahead of it. I don't know what he does anymore. And I had this – it's kind of the basic idea. I pitched them, the guy, the idea for Titus. I pitch him. This is like four years before Titus even got picked up. Uh, and, 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 I, and I said this guy. This guy had just survived cancer, this writer. So he's edgy. Titus, you're edgy. And I already written Norman Rockwell. And so I give this guy the idea. At the end of the idea – you saw how Titus came out, right? Yeah. I was uh, fucking on that every minute, every oh, yeah. fucking second. I didn't give I didn't give a quarter on that show. Nope, this is gonna be, nope, nope. No, we don't need to do black and white. Yes, we are. Fuck you. We're doing black and white. Yeah. I don't give a shit what If it sucks, it sucks. I'll take the hit. Um so this guy sits on the couch in big meeting after the he he written the script and this I just read the script and the script was ended up being me running a hot rod shop. Okay, that was one thing. Except I, w- I had a Latino buddy, because Latinos were hot at the time, who uh, got me into a lot of uh uh shenanigans and mishaps. There was a lot of mishaps, um, and uh, and I was dating these two twins. Uh, him and I both were, and we never knew which twin we were dating because they kept swap- swapping on us to be thought that because they thought that was funny. And that's the script that he guy fucking gave me. And I'm in the meeting, and there's like all these people. And this, and again, here's another. Titus needs to shut the fuck up at meetings. Uh, the guy goes. The guy goes, a script, and I go, I go, I go. First of all, this script is nothing that I pitched to you. Nothing. The jokes are lame. I go, it's not. I go, it's not funny. I go, have you read this? <clears throat> and they are, they are read it. And he go, the guy go, I goes, you didn't put the ideas we ha- we talked about it that you and you didn't put it in. And the guy in, looks at me and goes, Hey, I'm the writer. I take your ideas, decide which ones I want to do, and I do those. And I went, you're fired. And Rich Franks goes, you can't do that. <laughs> and I said, and I said, <laughs> I quit. And I you walked can't out. Do that. I. I, I <laughs> <clears throat> and I quit, and I, I just said, "I'm out. I'm done." And I walked out of the meeting. So I, I've had, I have a history of being that guy. So I think the best thing for me, and Judy's right, the best thing for me is to keep doing it myself. And if it fails, it fails. Uh, I, 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 no one likes. I'm taking money out of people's mouths. You know, I mean, even my even my agents are like, Live Nation was like going to put us in a, a theater tour, but the money is so like they take sixty percent, like they take sixty percent with really? expenses. You know, and and uh, I was like, and they they were like, we my agent said they can't make enough money on you in theaters, and I was like, okay. So I I told them my my wife used to run comedy clubs. She's a comic now. And I said, start calling some theaters. 
find out. Just like I called the production company. I said, find, find what it costs to four wall the theater. And we found out. And when we found out, I was like, you're shitting me. And she said, no. I said, okay, book it. Let's get, hire a publicist. And then we start, and we sold out Minneapolis, 1,100 seats on our own with no promoter. And and we started doing it. We do that's what we do now. We're doing like twelve or fifteen theater tours this year on our own with Combustion Live, my company, because at the end of the day, I don't know. I don't know if it's arrogance. If it didn't work, I guess it would be arrogance. But it's worked every time. I've sold two specials that we shot. Yeah. We're filming a movie now. This could be the one. This could be the one I could totally tank. <laughs> this might be this. Might, I, I can I kind of hear the engines quitting now. <laughs> I can hear that. So this could be it. This could be. It. I'm fine with that. But I'm fine with that because at the end of it, I'll be able to go. Well, here's where we fucked up. Uh, here's why it didn't work, and uh, let's do it again except right this time. Yeah, I, 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 I can see your frustration. It's it is. Uh, Have you written a script ever? Uh, yeah, I've written I've written a few. I, you know, I I feel like so your ne- so you, so you next script you just say you just say hey I've done this three times now I've used other writers and it hasn't been done. You guys like me, you know me. I'm writing this script. I mean, we went to a network with with writers at one point, and the network was like, like awesome, like a great meeting. And then, but then they just called, and they're like, "Hey, can we just do something with Bert? Like, like we just want to do something with Bert." And I feel like that. I I feel like how the hell do you have that presented to you and not just jump on that? You know what? Like you, we don't, you and I don't, we, you and I don't know each other. I hate yeah. to be. Like, I feel like a bro now. No, dude, they went. We want to do some birth. because it's the system. I mean, this this is the system. Well, like I, the system is uh, my the for my agent to make the most amount of money. He needs to package me with his writers. So in a weird way, I mean, this is like, and I feel like, I feel like, it, and that's the problem with representation. That's the fucking problem right there. Yeah. See, right now, these okay. Here's my problem with Hollywood right now, and they don't understand. They don't understand me. They don't understand Bill. They don't understand us because, or, or they don't understand Louis. I, Bill was over here, and I'm not not. But Bill was over here uh, probably th- three days ago, four days ago, and I was come in the same fucking place, and I was like, let's have a cigar. We just hung out and talked, and he's I think said the exact same thing you're about to say. But keep, but keep going. Yeah. Why the fuck? First of all, they don't care about you. They care about money. And tomorrow, if you broke your leg or you had a brain damage, they'd be all sad. And they would hire. They'd find. Give me another Burt Kreischer dude. And they would fucking. It's at the end of the day, agents are what agents are. Nobody loves you. No one's gonna come. No one's gonna. If they visit you in the hospital once, and that would be it. Yeah. You know. Um. I own all my shit. I own all my specials. I own. Um. You know, I'm going to own this movie. I'm going. It's like why? And at the end of the day, they. You know, I don't make a money. I mean, even my agents. I book the theater tours, and and they're like, "Well, are you going to pay us?" And I go, "I go, did you promote it, book it, or even figure it out?" I said, and I said, I said, no. You guys, anything you book me, you get paid on, because you earned that. But if you, you don't fucking just get to take my money. Yeah. You know, I actually had I had someone. I had someone call. Someone, some of the production companies called after they offered. They offered me a really shitty deal on Neverlution, and I said, I didn't say no. I just said, okay, that's the offer. I said, okay, let me think about that. I never said another word about it. Took it on, started producing them myself. Sold them online. Sold, you know, you don't sell numbers. You don't sell, you know, say you're not going to sell a hundred thousand units. Yeah. But you're also not going to make a dollar. You're going to sell ten thousand units and make eighteen dollars. 
it's the it's the MC Hammer perspective. <laughs> well, like, he, he was right, telling him out of his please. trunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, he, he yeah, but he actually burned through money like crazy. But uh, he 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 burned through money like he had been divorced nine times. He, he by the way, never put tiles in your driveway that spell out your name until the house is paid off. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, what, what was I just gonna say? I was just uh, podcasting. Yeah, podcasting. It's when I when this first when podcasting Bill's first, a fucking master of it. My God, when this first took off, I remember. Agents being like, and but they not, not, they didn't understand what a podcast was yet. Right, like I'm not saying that I understood it, but I was in it, so I got a concept of it. I got what it was doing, and I was seeing the benefits of it, and I was like, oh okay. But they I, they didn't see how they could monetize it, so they started. So then all of a sudden, this the fucking company shows up that now is like a it's an ad sales thing, and oh everyone's bringing their clients in and. And oh, this is going to be the biggest fucking thing. And in my head, I was like, yeah, but they're taking mo- – I don't need it. I can get the ads by myself. I right. don't need anyone to get me ads. We, we actually had we had the company that, that hosts our podcast just call us and go, hey, I got two companies that called to ask if they could put ads on your thing. And I said, we don't take ads. And they're like – and I, I said, send me the product. And I, I, we got the product. I'm like, okay. Yeah. But I, I'm really – that's You know who calls me about ads? Uh, Fucking Bill Burr. Like yeah. he just says, at, you know, they get, it's our company, All Things Comedy. Right. Is he? They he just call. They just call up and they're like, "Hey, uh, do you want to do this?" Yeah, okay. And then when whatever they call, they're like the you know, hey, the company needs money to stay afloat. We're all doing this and then donating our proceeds to the company, All Things Comedy. Would you be interested? Hundred percent. I'll give you all the money. I don't make. Oh. I don't need to make money on this podcast. Right. I like. I don't need to monetize. That's what I thought. It's for me to talk about the world, man. I like. Oh, mine is called. We do an Armageddon update. I heard you and Bill on yours. Uh, Bill's great on that, man. Yeah. Bill's great. Yeah, well, you're, I mean, podcasting is made I think I pissed Bill off somewhere. I think I made Bill mad somewhere down the line. Uh, yeah, no, I did. I don't know why. I think uh, I made him mad somewhere down the line. I don't, I don't think so. He's, uh, he's, I think Bill's, Bill would actually tell you if he didn't like you. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's really, he well, we had an incident. Me and Bill had an incident, not with each other. I am a car guy, and I'd worked on his car, and they, we get this brake kit, and I was going to switch the brakes on his truck. And the fucking, they sent us this kit, and for three days, it's something that should have taken us three hours. Yeah. Three days, I couldn't get this thing to work. And I'm good at this. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck happened? What the fuck happened? So after three days, I called the company. I go, I go, here's the problem. I tell them, and they go, oh, when did you order that kit? I go, June. I asked Bill, and Bill goes, yeah, it's June or something. I said, okay. June, he goes, oh. Yeah, those are marked backwards. The left is the right, and the right is the left. And I fucking, and I'm on the phone with these guys, and Bill's over there, and I uncork. I uncork. I go, do you understand this is the fucking breaks? I go, I go, I got my buddy here. I could have killed him. I go, we could have sent him out of the door like this, and it would be dead. Dead. Yeah. And I just went off. And Bill, I get down, and Bill goes, wow. I never heard anybody talk to someone like that. <laughs> fucking bullshit. No, he was like that. He was like, fuck, you just went off on some dude, you know. And I said, he was going to kill you. He goes, no, they deserved it, but wow. Yeah. And I think Bill, the look, Bill's one of the nicest guys I know. Greatest guy. The guy on stage, eh, the guy I rarely see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's just a really nice, good human being who's a master at 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 putting getting everybody's frustration out. He's so good at he's, just uh, pinpointing. He, it. yeah, he's. I've known I've known him for a very long time, and uh, he's one of the he is one of the sweetest guys. He His is, show F is for family is what is literally what. Have you seen it? Yet? No. It is fucking awesome. The new sitcom. It's a sitcom. It's a sitcom. It's it's a cartoon. Oh, okay. And it's called F is for Family, and I, I 
I don't know anything about it. I literally don't know anything about it. I know Bill did it. I think I tweeted about it because I was like, you know. Is it coming friend. out? It's already out. It's on Netflix. Wow. Seguro Special comes out on Netflix. And I go to watch Seguro Special with my kid, with my one of my kids, Georgia. And F is for Families Up. And she goes, oh, what's that? Because they love cartoons. I go, oh, this is my buddy. Oh, no. Bill's show. I start playing it. <laughs> the first one, the dad comes in and he sits down. The phone starts ringing. And it's all set in the 70s. Yeah. And he's like, that fucking cock-sucking phone. Like, I'm overdoing it. But it's just cursing. And my daughter and I were laughing hysterically. And she's like, am I allowed to watch this? And I go, yeah, it's already started. Like, yeah. and And – we watched the first episode, both of my daughters and me, in the bedroom. My wife doesn't know what we're watching. And it's cursing throughout it. The dad drinks and drives. It is fucking hilarious. And my daughter was like, and it was like, so funny. This is how daddies talk. Daddies curse. And I go, because I curse. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. And so then that night, I had we had friends over, and I let all the kids watch it. And I told their parents, I go, there's cursing in it. My wife had read some study that it's okay for parents to hear to curse in front of their kids. It's okay for kids to hear cursing. And known, it's, it's, it's a great way to establish boundaries of what the parents can do versus the kids. Right. And uh, and so as long as you don't call someone a piece of shit or a – Right, right. As long as you're not swearing at your kids. Yeah, as if you're like – if you hit your finger with a hammer and you go, fuck, it's okay. Kids right. know that they can't do it. Right. And so she heard it on NPR or something. Right. And so these kids watched it. And it was like – I was like watching a kid. It was like – when I, my parents let me watch uh, uh, Eddie Murphy Raw when I was like ten, when it whenever it came yeah, out, my dad didn't care. I do oh. a bit in this new show. My dad took me to see Magnum Force, a Dirty Harry movie, when I was six years old in feedy pajamas at a drive-in. <laughs> and I'm at the drive-in, and I'm in the first the, the bit I do is first three <laughs> minutes, a guy in a cop uniform, a guy I've been taught to trust my whole life, kicks a door in, takes out a gun, and shoots two people having naked, bushy '70s sex. <laughs> the dude falls off the thing. The girl turns full boob shot. I went through puberty at six. Then he shoots her in the boob. So now I got to buy weird magazines the rest of my life. Then she falls out a window and bleeds out into a pool. I went to that movie six years old. I came out smoking. I'm like, yeah, Dad, that's a good movie. Uh, I believe uh, Clint Eastwood's anti-hero was violent, but just a reflection of society. Now I'd like to go home and burn my Dr. Seuss books because there is no God. <laughs> so it, it's like – so my dad it was the same way. He was like, what? You're going to see the world anyway. Yeah. You know, he believed that if, if you protect – all these little pussy kids that, that my dad knew had friends, he'd be like, you know, your kid's going to die when he goes out in the world on his own. He's oh, going to yeah. get killed. Oh, I, I saw Eddie Murphy Raw. Him. I saw Caddyshack <laughs> in the movie theaters. Yeah, like I, I saw Caddyshack in the fucking movie theaters. But that, I, that was. Uh, I mean, I feel like it was a different time. But I, I feel like I, I, I don't, I don't. My whole new show is about yeah. this. It wasn't a different time. Human beings, are, we are slowly evolving, sure. But this, this, all this precious kid stuff. It, it's all you're doing is raising these shiny kids. Oh my God! If Jonathan, we t- we're teaching Jonathan Chinese. He's three, but it's an emerging market. So maybe when he's an adult, he'll know Chinese, so he can be fucking. What are you doing? Yeah, you know what are you doing? It's we all talk about it on stage, but it's just it's become it's we're supposed to undouchebag our kids. That's all. That's your only job as a parent. You know, the joke I do is, is that don't raise douchebags because you don't want to be the parent that gets interviewed after the verdict. You know, you just don't. And so and, and but all these other parents are. Uh, I tell you a quick story. I don't know how you treat your kids on grades, but um, my son got a D, and you just don't get a D in my house. Yeah. And so I said, uh, and he lied to me. I found out that he hadn't done a bunch of homework. So I said, okay, over the summer you got four ten-page book reports to write, and I made him write these book reports. It doesn't sound like a big deal. My dad would have, I, I'd have been like breaking bricks in the backyard, but he, I said you had yeah. four, and I'd have to be perfect. So I met we're at some kid's birthday party and. Uh, and I said, they go, how did you do in school? I said, oh, he got B's and A's and then one D. 
And and she goes, oh, that's that's bad. I go, yeah, he had to write four book reports over the summer. And she and the mom looked at me like I was, like a Satan. Really? What's the matter? Are you coming in for this? Okay. Hi. Someone's homesick. Isla, this is Chris. Chris, how are you doing? Nice to meet you. Your dad says very nice things about you. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, Isla was homesick today, so she's been watching Teen Titans Go. Yay. So we're talking about having kids. Are you going back in the house? Okay. Are you okay? No, I'm just to say hi to you. I love you. She, See? Uh, now that she wants something. Now that she worked you. Came in and worked you in front of God, people. Man, she fucking owns me. Yeah, right? She, that kid. I, Right now, the thing I'm dealing with is I have a lot of material about her. And my wife's kind of kiboshed me using it because... It's all very, you know, like one of the jokes I was saying is I have two kids. I got an 11-year-old, smart, blonde-haired, blue eyes, really great kid, and I got another one too. Yeah. And and my wife's like, yeah, fucking, that's not happening. You're not saying that because if Isla sees a special. Right there. See, that's this is this is my problem with parents. And I, yeah. where's your wife? Get her in here. Yeah. So I, 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 I tell people, don't have a kid. Don't. Don't I go and I and I do this thing called the Lamborghini life that you get to have if you don't because you can't put a car seat in a Lamborghini. And I tell this whole story about what's how your life's going to go. And kids, I've had them for ten years. I've had for, you know I've had a decade of raising kids half the time. And plus, I went through a divorce. That's how people would get divorced. Another joke I do is that if you got divorced and you didn't have kids, you didn't get divorced. You had a long term booty call with paperwork. That's yeah. all you had. Yeah. Was it hard to split up the CDs? <laughs> Who's going to get the Matrix box set? We better go to arbitration. You fu- I'm you going through a divorce. Yeah. Oh, did you have kids? Yeah. No. The- yeah, shut up. It's called a breakup. Yeah, yeah, you got freedom is what you yeah. got. You just got freedom. Good, yeah. Congratulations. Sweet bitching about it. So, and, and it, it's tough. People don't get, like, if you're, if you're listening and you don't, you don't have kids, people don't understand how hard it is. We convince ourselves, oh, my God, they're angel little Jesus tears. No, they're not. Our job is to make these little Tiny retarded people who don't care. They're, they're, we download programs all day. Their their operating system is not the same as ours. They yeah. have the shitty download speeds, and, they, <laughs> and 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 it's all you're doing. You're fighting against, and you have to love them because it, it's because of your kids. And uh, the joke, the laws are different now. <laughs> the joke I do is I love my kids because I hate jail. <laughs> yeah, it uh, my the everything everything I say on stage is is. Real, based in reality, one hundred percent. Right, but I think I was being too real with Isla, and Leanne saw it and was like, "The was difference like, is my kids." She, she saw Louis when Louis was like doing his material on his kids, and she was like, "Oh, what if like you know, what if his kids see that?" And in my head, I was like, "I can't imagine that they're not they're going to be shocked, like you know, that, or, or that's that their dad. dad doesn't love them." Yeah, yeah, and I was, and so she she literally was like. Going through my actions, like let's just before you do your special, let's talk about what you're going to share. Wow, your wife is a bad network executive, dude. Yeah, I know. Do you get it? <laughs> yeah. She's going to hate me. I don't, that Christopher Titus better not. Come no, over no, again. no. She's she just uh, she's been like she's been totally cool with anything about her. Like she farted during oral sex, and she did not want me telling that on stage. And I told it, and she's like, "It's funny. I don't give a fuck. Right. If it's funny, it's that's fine." But then anything about Isla's learning disability, anything about like oh. that, Leanne just goes like. I'm just protecting Isla, and you, I understand it. So in my head, this week I went through, and I was like, "All right, 
because sometimes I have a propensity to overshare. Like, yeah, me too. Me too. I have the problem. I, I'm doing a bit of my aunt right now, and she moved to Florida, and, and it's not. She's wanted to be in the act for a long time, and it's yeah. one of those bits that if she sees it, she probably it, it might it, hurt her feelings. It might hurt. Her probably. Yeah, and like, but I'm not. Nothing. I'm saying it didn't happen or is untrue. Yeah, and that, that's the other fucked up part. Is like, is I, I'll tell stories about my dad. Like when I when I first met Will Smith, my dad told me. Um, it was like a weird. You know, people have that sentence when I first met Will Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, keep talking. And so he, goes, my, <laughs> he was like, let's, Will wanted to go see a movie. And my dad was like, uh, what? I go, hey, yeah, we're going to go see a movie. And he's like, oh, buddy, I think he's going to queer you. I go, what? And he goes, that's a lot of these Hollywood types are closeted <laughs> homosexuals. He's going to bring you in, lure you in with money and fame and fuck you. And, and uh, I told that story. My dad's like, I had never said that. I mean, buddy, you make me out to be a homophobe. And I'm like, you fucking said that. Like, my dad said, my dad thought GQ stood for goddamn queer. He actually <laughs> thought, I mean, like, you were a homophobe. My dad, too. Yeah. You know, my dad used to say, and he said in an interview on the title, he's same thing. Dads, it's weird. They will be who they are. You talk about it on stage. They go watch you talk about it. And my dad finally said, after, after I got some success, he finally said, you know, I was a single father doing my best. He goes, I didn't know that's how you saw everything. I had no oh, concept. That's fucking insane. Yeah, because I know of your dad through your act. Yeah, like it took him years. At first, he used to say if, if, he did an interview with when we had the TV show, and he looks right on extra, and he goes, he goes, you know, uh, uh, I I never raised those kids the way he says, you, you know, and if I did, if I did abuse them, they deserved it. He says it, and he's not being funny. He, yeah. he does it, and if I be, and if I, and if I did abuse them, they deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> what? The fuck? Oh, I have a vivid memory. I tell on stage of the first time my dad spanked me, and I told it, and my dad. My, I told it in Philly, and my whole family's from Philly, and they shared it with my dad. And my dad's like, I never hit you. I go, Dad, I didn't make this up. I have a vivid memory right, right. of my sister's birthday. She goes to blow the candles out. I fucking slam her head in the cake. Did you and, really do that? Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and, and it killed so hard that when my dad said he wanted to talk to me in the garage, I thought he was coming out to tell me how funny it was. Right. Like, I didn't think he wanted High to do it in front of right. my sister. He wanted privately to be like, Dad was fucking... So I literally walked into the garage like, this is going to be... And he was like, pull your pants down. I was like, what the fuck just happened? Wow. And I remember I remember the I remember the car was in the garage, so it was that little space between the wall and the car. Oh. And I, I, it was like, there was no a- exit. I turned around, and he's like, you're getting hit. Like, that. you're getting spanked for that. And I was like, I tried to talk my way out of it. I was like, what, what killed me, what, the thing that stuck with me all these years was the humiliation that I was humiliated. Right, and I was that, and I, I, I t- and once again, it's, this is what I. This is the problem with my stories is I go to emotion immediately. Right. Like I was humiliated, and I was like, "Oh, Dad, I, I swear to God, I won't do it again." Like, "Oh, I, I, I really, I know I messed up." And he was like, "No, this is happening," and there, it was like panic, and I went, "Oh, fuck!" And to this day, I remember my eyes. I was like, "No, it never fucking happened." And I was like, "Okay." My dad did this daily. Like we had, like my brother to this day. Has nightmares. We used to go to this lake and ski. My dad, in front of everybody, would just come by my brother and yank his pants down so he was standing there buck-ass naked. Both of us. <laughs> we walked around. Like, I have mild PTSD because of my father. Dude. My dad did this shit. My dad would have slubbed my face into cake. Like, that's who my dad was. Really? And he thought it was funny as hell. He'd get drunk and be like, ah! <laughs> and, and, like and, and the other parents were like, oh, my God, oh, my God. He's like, hey, it's funny. Hey, hey, get up, idiot. Stop crying. I mean, you know, that's why, you know, George Lopez said, stop crying. My dad said all the time, stop crying. What are you crying about? And I, said, I learned I don't cry anymore. Just shit just happened. Oh. We would sit around on the deck of this place where my dad, buddy, had this house. 
and go when you go water skiing and my sister and my dad because we were raised brutally like brutally like we would rip on each other so hard everybody like oh my god you guys hate each other like, what are you what are you talking about? we're laughing our ass off what are you talking yeah. about you guys are talking about like the worst things about each other yeah it's funny you know and that's and that's where the comedy comes from i don't know man it's a bit i'm, I'm probably i'm probably that, that's also why in a net with a network i have no problem going do you even fucking understand you know like i have no problem just saying it because in my family you just said it but I don't have decorum that I need for show business. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I feel like I have nothing but decorum. Like in that, in that, I just—it's like we said with the way a development goes. They want to pair you with the writer that they represent, so they can package it and it's, get the package. And yeah. it's just—how's that worked out for you? It hasn't. That's why I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this one. <laughs> I'm going to do this one by myself. And it's literally because I, in you saying it to me right now, going, you know what you want to do. Yeah. Like fucking do it. Yeah. Like yeah, I know what I want. That's what I learned in the form. This this movie we're doing called Special Unit is uh, due to the, we did a pilot in '06, and uh, it took him eight months to come in. Eight months to say no, uh, and I got a total horrible fucked up story about that too. What ha- what happened? But it's really due to the Fairness and Disabilities Act. The LAPD has to hire four handicapped undercover detectives, and I play Nick Nolte's mugshot. I play the worst cop in LA, and I got to train him. And my ex, it's Van Nuys, based in North. It's going to be the mayor of North Hollywood, the mayor of Van Nuys is my ex-girlfriend. She used to be a prosecutor. She put the cute whore in prosecutor. And, uh, and, uh, and I screwed her over. I cheated on her. So she hates me. Now she's the mayor. And she's just... I, I'm, getting, I'm losing everything. I'm also a bad cop. I've been taking protection money from drug dealers. And I take on these four disabled people. And we're using real disabled actors because disabled actors get a lot of lip service in Hollywood, but they don't get the jobs. Yeah. They, we, oh, we love them. Those are special little heroes. Except Michael and Ronan's going to be in it, and there, you know, Deborah Carrington, who was in uh, Total Recall, she's she's a little person, and so I I put all these disabled actors in it for real, and and people are like, yeah, it's it's a good idea, and, and they you know, they, they love the idea, but no one wants to put any money behind it, so we're doing it ourselves, you know. I wanted to, the whole reason the movie it's balls out funny. I actually I, get, I sent it to Patton Oswalt's brother for punch up on it, and he just sent me back, so he's going to help me punch it up. He's like, this is really funny, man. He goes like, he goes way too ballsy. He goes way too ballsy, but he's a really funny. So he's really. And so <clears throat> I, I did it because my buddy Mike, who – and I did – there's a bit on, on, on YouTube called The Word Retard, which my son said something disparaging – not funny about disabled people. It was making fun of disabled people. And last night I made him watch The Word Retard. I made him – I don't let my kids watch my comedy because yeah. uh, some of it's about their mom and stuff. And I, and, and I just don't want to be in court. It's not because I'm worried that's going to damage them. I don't want to go to court again. So – uh, I watched it and at the end of it, but both my kids were laughing and, and and they got it. They got the word retard. Doesn't it? <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> Not because it's dirty. I just told him this. Yeah, talking about their mom. Your mom. Wait, 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 wait. Is this the same lady? That, wait, hold on. Is that, is it, also, they might hate their mom because I am again. I'm not lying. So I. <laughs> so. So what happened was is that that this movie I was I was this happened a couple times I was hanging out with Mike and Mike got you can go see the word retard uh, on YouTube and you can see the bit but Mike. All the time, he's he's got CP. He's rolled up, really funny. He walks. Yeah. He's really funny. And we're in Baltimore, we're in uh, DC, and and this woman just comes up. She looks me and my buddy Tommy, him his bu- and his buddy Tony were there. And he and she goes, uh, "What do you have, Tony? What do you have, Tommy? What do you have? And then she looks back at Mike, and she looks back at me, and goes, "What will he have?" And I was like, "What?" 
and you see Mike because it happens all the time. I see Mike get. You can see this thing in his eye. He's gonna. And I thought he was gonna get mad. <laughs> he started acting way more like he like the worst retarded guy in the world. He started <laughs> acting crazy, yeah. and he started going, "I want your boobies. That's what I would like to order." And he starts, and she's like, "Oh my god!" And he starts knocking shit off the table. Like if she put water down, he spilled it, yeah. and it just went and it went up for now. And I, you know, I'm a comic. I'm like, I let him go. I was like, I was like, oh, he's, I'm sorry. And then he and he fucked her life up for a, like an hour and a half. Oh, and that's then, fucking And then great. at the end he goes, I love you, my favorite waitress. I'll be back. I'll see you next week. And it was like, and and he and I walked outside and I, I was laughing. I, it's a true story. I tell it in a in, uh, voice in my head. And I walked outside and I and I finally lost it. I was like, dude, that's the funniest shit I've ever seen. And he dead serious goes, that bitch deserved it. Yeah. So I wrote this movie and I, the idea was um, because I want everyone to kind of get that like these people aren't. You ever be like in a store or something or a thing and there's a guy in a wheelchair? You probably don't do it because you're because you open, but. You're instinctively, I don't. I don't want to bother him. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to look at him because I'm making fun of him, or I'm yeah. looking, or whatever. Someone who's disabled, you, you you kind of turn away. Well, everybody does that. So those people become these ghost people. They're just kind of going through life. The other day, uh, this happened like, two years ago. Guy in a wheelchair rolling, got gloves on, and I go, "Hey, what's going, man?" And the guy looked up at me, looked around, looked behind him, and he goes, "Hey." It was like no one says hi to him. Yeah. I was in San Diego uh, when I was working in American Comedy Company. Walking across the street, there's this woman. She's got one leg. She's got this that with the flesh-colored sock on her leg, and she's wearing like a house coat, and she's in a wheelchair. She's got the bag in front of her, and it was it was a light crossing the street, and she looked down, man. She's looked down, and um, I guess one leg will do that. <laughs> so I walk across. Dude, I've had a sprained ankle, and I've just been <laughs> fucking angry. Like, how hard is it just to take a piss in the middle of the night? Right, right. You're leaning on the way. Literally. So, so she's sitting there, and I and I walk by. I go, I go. How's it going, kid? And this woman looks up, and she didn't say hi. She said, thank you. And I thought, is that how bad it is for disabled people in this country? Like, like people just, they're just so marginalized. So I, I wrote this movie, and, and we're going to do it because, you know, it balls out funny for funny first. My rule is funny first. But at yeah. the end of it, if, if people just go notice the next time they say dude in a wheelchair, they go, hey. You know, and they go, how you doing, man? You yeah. Know, just, oh, wow, I'm a human being. Thanks. Man, that's all. That's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little full of myself. You can hear it. No, no, no. <laughs> I can't I, do it unless I pick what it's about. I can't. It's funny. I can't just throw some shit out there. Yeah. It has to, I have to know what it's going to do or what I'm trying to do. I have to have an idea what I'm trying to do. I fucking, I'm, I'm so glad that, uh, that I, and I don't know how this came about. I think it came about because we were all going to go try to see you in Knoxville. When you were in Knoxville. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. And I, we had tweeted about you, and then you tweeted back like, oh, thanks. And then I, you followed me, and I DM'd you right away. I was like, I'd love to have you on my podcast. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, sure. Well, you know, when our schedules meet up, and it's been a while. But I'm so glad I got to fucking hang out with you, man. Yeah, man. You too, man. You're, 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 it, you're, it, you're a legend, man. You're a legend. Oh, and what did you say about – see, I always think when you said at the beginning that comics were talking about Norman Rockwell, I was like, I always think that, like, I don't, I don't hang out with comics. So I don't uh, – I, I feel I, like – I wish I could remember who it was. I really feel like I'm on the out I'm, – I'm, I'm like the rings of Saturn. I circle the world, but I'm not really part of it. I can't – I wish I could remember who it was. I, but they, they, were, they were saying that you had done this – you had done this as a one man show, and then you, yeah. but you, then you did it a little bit on the road, but then you brought it to Montreal. Maybe, yeah, it we was... did it. We did it. We did it here at the Hudson Theater, and, it, and the night it got the night that the network came to see it, we had eighteen people in the audience, and it yeah. was really angry. It's about it's before you got to remember at that time Seinfeld was doing like if Seinfeld was huge, and it was like, hey, Renona socks, and I went up and go, my mom shot and killed a guy. Yeah. You know, I had this girlfriend that used to punch me in the face repeatedly. I, you know, my dad, I did a bit called anti-dad about how negative my father was. And it was no, 
no bullshit. It was like, you know, I, I, I talked about losing my mind after my mom killed herself and being on an airplane, and, and I, I didn't have any emotion about it. And then I was on this fucking airplane, and I'm reading a Newsweek, and the Newsweek says uh, mental illness, genetic. It was this article about how yeah. mental illness, will, if you're between, if you have it in your, if you have it in your family, there's a really high probability that it's going to happen to you. And I'm reading this article and this thing, and my mom had bl- killed herself, and I'm flying back, and I'm like, and I fucking, I, 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 they served turkey, and my mom was a great cook, and I smelled it, and dude, I don't know what happened. But I started sobbing on this airplane, and I had to get up and I had to run to the bathroom. And like people, were like what the fuck is going on? And I stayed in the bathroom like an hour, just just racked of like because I, I hadn't talked to my mom in fourteen years, and I just all came out in this airplane bathroom. And the stewardess was like, "What the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, why are you, sir? What are you doing?" <clears throat> and I'm like, "I'm fine. I'm okay." <laughs> and uh, and so that was in the show, and and uh, and we did it. And I I, I just thought. It's the only time in my life – it was the first time in my life, actually, I felt that I was doing the right thing. And that's what I want you to get. Like you – you're really an easygoing guy. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, it's to a fault. I'm, yeah, an I'm not guy. easygoing. But there's a point, and I call it growing a tumor on your soul. You have done this three times now. You deserve a show. You know what you want the show to be. Yeah. Um, and I, this is what I was doing before. When I told when – when I, we went into pitch – Titus to Fox I said guys I'm going to write on the show and, and and I go I want to do this show nothing else no modifications this is the show I want to do and I said if you guys don't want to do it that's great I understand thank you for this meeting great meeting and I said but if you want to do it I will give you I will bleed for it but I'm only going to do this I've done this three times now yeah. and we either going to fail my way or, or succeed my way because I've already failed your way three times I fucking, I feel like that's, I, I, should, I should get that tattooed on my. But it's, um, you know, you can't, here's the thing is you can't, it can't be a trick. You can't be doing it. You have to mean it. Like I meant yeah. it. I walked out of that meeting and my, my agent at the time goes, Bruce Smith, he's a great guy. He goes, he goes, well, I've never had someone in a meeting go, uh, we're doing this or not. Thanks for the meeting. If you don't want to do it, great. <laughs> I've never told him. I've never heard someone tell him that they don't really care whether they, I, I basically said, I don't care if you buy it or not. That's what yeah. I want to do. It's, and, it's such, it's the, it's the way the good shit gets made. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Louis. I mean, Louis said, Louis said, what? Give me, give me what? This much money a week, and no one talked to me. Less money and no notes. Yeah. And then I apparently, from what the story goes, he gave his first thing. He's like, I, I could use some notes. Like, now he's I, like, help. He was like, just a few notes. Like, am I going in the right direction? Because I might be like, yeah. Well, Langreff is such a great, great guy. The guy that that, that okayed that, and, and and I think Bill had a shot. I'd like to see the cartoon, man, because Bill's Bill's it's fucking. So good, right? It's so good. I, you know, I don't want. I, I think with Titus, we I hated sitcoms. I hated sitcoms so much, and they were so lame. And we did Titus, and the first thing was called Dad is Dead. We did an we did an episode where we tried to, we had an intervention to get my dad to drink again, because for a while my dad met this chick and he stopped drinking for a while, and he became like this laser focused asshole. He didn't get nice. He was just really aware of everything. Oh fuck! And we were like, oh fuck, it's so hard to live with you now. Why? Because because. <laughs> Because you're aware and like you know what we're doing. Before you were drunk, there was a haze that you you had to get through to see what we were doing. Yeah. Now, and so uh, we wrote an episode where we had an intervention and we treated it just like an intervention to get him drinking again <laughs> and prove to him that he was better when he was drinking hard. My family, I quit drinking for six months when I first met Leanne, and uh, and just like losing weight, feeling good, and and I remember I went home for Christmas. And I was going to, Leanne and I were going to go to Italy. We were just dating, and uh, I wasn't drinking. And my sisters were like, "Hey, 
like, you're going to drink again, right? And I, was like, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Like, it's a problem. Yeah, and my dad was like, buddy, let's not, I mean, it's okay. okay to have a glass of wine. And I was like, I don't know. I, I go, and I was like, being honest with everyone, I was like, I've been drinking pretty hard since I was 24, 22. Since I was 22, I've been drinking pretty hard. I'm 28 right now. I think I could use a break. And they're like, hold on. I remember my dad sitting on the thing, pouring me a <laughs> glass of wine and going, buddy, have one. And I didn't. I was, and I, that whole time I was there, I didn't. And then I went to, this is sound, even sounds crazy, but I went to Italy with Leanne and we're out to dinner. And she was like, she was like, you can have a glass of wine. And I was like, okay. And, and I had a glass of wine and we had the best fucking night ever. It was snowing in Venice and we got lost in the streets and we were buzzed. I didn't realize my giggled. not drinking had become a problem. Yeah, and, then, <laughs> and then I started drinking again and I haven't stopped. <laughs> I haven't stopped. <laughs> when you're not drinking becomes a problem. You're affecting your whole family. Oh, we did. That was the whole thing. That's we, fucking was, great, man. And, and we would pitch. It came to a point where we would pitch stuff to the network and, and go as far as you want. Don't ever. I would tell you this. We had the last piece of advice. And then again, I only had one show and I ended up getting canceled. I had, we did 54 episodes. I'm proud of all of them but three, uh, which is which is a pretty high percentage. Very. Um, we did an episode on uh, called Tommy's Not Gay about gay bashing where, where uh, Tommy, we always thought of Carrie, he was gay, but it turned out his dad was a closeted gay man. And he was just raised by this closet and he just picked up his dad's shit because the whole premise of the show was based on everything from your childhood. So it, during that episode, um, Tommy's dad goes down to find him and gets the shit beat out of him by these two rednecks because he's a gay guy. And... Um, so we wrote this episode and there's a, there's a black and white space and, and Chris Sheridan who's a brilliant writer hated me for this he, he kept we had, a, we had a screaming argument in the writer's room I did this thing about Matthew Shepard I look in the camera I go Matthew Shepard um, uh, when they found him they found he was gay they, they hung him on a fence beat him and hung him and led him to die because he was gay and my character just goes because he was gay they killed him wait they killed him because he was gay and the, my, my character just in the black and white gets yeah. it just gets it and Chris Sheridan's just going, he's going, no, 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 he's, dude, we, we're a comedy, you can't go that far, you can't go that far. And I'm like, I, I'm like, wh- why? And Zach Ward, the guy who played my brother, goes, at the end of that episode, he goes, you know what? He goes, Will and Grace doing that is preaching to the choir. He goes, we have NASCAR dads and NASCAR families. He goes, doing that for them, he goes, that's fucking stand-up or something. So there's something you want to say, man. And and look, my, my old thing, I'm kind of like the satanic Tony Robbins when it comes to your own creativity. What makes them think? And 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 what? And this they hate this. If you're an executive, congratulations on your job. You have put the time in ten thousand shows. That means you've earned every fucking laugh you've gotten, and everyone you get now. This Ivy League guy comes in and tells you what he thinks is funny. Really? Let me see one of your scripts. Can I see one of your specials? Can I see how often you've made a group of people laugh? And they'll say, they'll look at you like, well, you know, I just have an opinion. Right. And it's fucking, why don't you just, let me make you money. Let me make you money. Now, in the past, I've just gone, hey, stop talking. Like, if yeah. it's not funny. I've actually told guys in current meetings, it's not funny. That we can't make that funny. I'm better now, diplomacy. But man, do I, I, I just, I, I, why waste all that time when you can just get it done? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm an asshole. I think we can just nail it down that I'm just an asshole. <laughs> not an asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not. I get it though, but I'm a very strong willed. Nope. This is what we're doing. And, and, and I think that pisses them off. <laughs> I'm sure. Actually, I show got canceled. I'm sure that pisses them off. I think you, I think you were the first predecessor of what people are starting to go to now when they're like, no, it's, 
Like, I mean, everyone had a deal in the fucking 90s or in the early 2000s yeah. and, and just did whatever they wanted you to. Ah, you're a beer salesman this time. You're going right. to do this. And you, you look at, and I think Louis did, was doing exactly what you, he wanted to do what you were doing on Titus because he had the same you project. Know Forbes, Forbes wrote an article for that, online that says that Titus was, do, Titus was doing Louis 15 years before Louis did it. Dude, he did the same project. Lucky Louis, Louis, St. Louis, uh, he had that show every time he'd fucking try to write the show about a dad who was, you know, a little bit fucked up and and it never worked until the finally the fi- he was like, you know what? It's not about the money. I don't care about the fucking right, money. Right. Let me make my thing. And and imagine what that does, what that does for your freedom and your soul. And then if you fail, you, you can't say I suck. I failed. You're like, I did it my way. I fucking did it. We did. Uh, we did uh, this season of Birth Conqueror. And it was just it was just at a point where. Uh, the network was like, you, uh, the guy, the head of the network at the time said, oh, you can do whatever you want. We just want to do the show again. He's like, I just, whatever you want. And I talked to Dan Adler and I talked to him on the phone. I said, I'll do the show, but I really want to just do whatever the fuck I want. I don't want to, I don't want to do reads. I don't want to do intros. I don't want to do like forced fucking interviews. I just want to go out and fucking have fun. And he was like, that's it. That's all we'll do. And they then, the, you know, the, everyone gets scared. So they send a director out who is like, well, I'll show him. And he said at the first meeting, he said to well, my cameraman, he was like, he was like, hey, Bert doesn't need to know everything. Uh, and uh, my cameraman was like, who's been on what I've worked with for six years was like, uh, you're talking to the wrong guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, exactly. And uh, I didn't do one. Read. By the way, there's a mic on my wrist that yeah. actually Bert has had earpiece. <laughs> what you just said, that's how much that Bert knows. And uh, and I didn't. And he ended up getting fired uh, for other reasons uh, than than that. But um, and I just it, I was literally left to my own devices and I made 13 episodes of a show that has no like like I'm part of me is like if it does well then fucking thank god but if it does poorly everyone will be like well okay we let Bert you're go you're also not an idiot you did you sit down in editing and watch it I watched yeah I watched well, every and you helped you helped put it together I'm executive producer well fuck the man like that's what people don't it's get f- it's funny as fuck there you go and it is it is it doesn't look like a regular tv show it's like the fucking intro read for jersey you know they give you like they'll give you in unscripted uh, hosted reality or whatever I do they they give you a script they give, still give yeah. you a script it's called unscripted hosted reality they give you a script I'm in New Jersey the great thing about New Jersey is it's got a lot of trees or whatever yeah. and then you're scenic driving through trees yeah. and I'm like I'm not fucking doing any of that shit and they're like well this is what they yeah I'm not doing it and so my intro read for Jersey is um, <laughs> Jersey's like a fat ass like not everyone's into it but if you're into a fat ass you're into a fat ass and then, I'm, and then I stop and I go I'm sure there's an editor who doesn't like that read. He's like, "Can we have a little TV more friendly?" I go, "Big tits," and so like that's my intro to Jersey. And I and they ended up because I did nothing else. I wouldn't do anything else. They have to use it, right. and it's fucking it's so funny. The whole the episode is probably the best episode of television right. I've ever made. And it's a travel show, which which means you talking about breath of fresh air. Good man, good for you, good yeah. for you. And it, it, it's we have been treated like monkeys for so long. There's something about comics that, and I, I'm gonna say. 
that very few people really get. It's like it's almost like we're the retarded kids. They put off to the side, and sure. they like you get into a room, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, you're really funny. We're not going to let you do what you do. We're going to oh, have these guys do it." They want it. They they want they want you to be able. They go, yeah, we got a funny guy, but I hope he does the thing I saw before. Like, I, like, uh, just be like, what the, f-? like, like, make a noise. That's yeah. all they want. I remember. Remember Titus's hair thing. Remember when Christ used to open his eyes really yeah. wide? God, I hope he brings can, that. Can you just grab the pizza and then open your eyes wide and look at camera just real quick <laughs> within five seconds? And, and I remember being like, I can't, I, I can't do any of that shit. I, I can do stupid stuff where like I make a bad joke. And then when the person starts talking, go, hang on, wait for it. They're still laughing at home. I want that to finish before we say something. Right. And then everyone goes, what the fuck is this? And you go, I don't know. That's my sense of humor. That's what right. I think is fucking funny. Right. And then once you do that, it's like once you do the thing, then they want you to just do that over and over again. They're like, can you? Like I said one time, I said, gangster. This is like six years ago. I said something, gangster. And every fucking script we got was like, can you call this ride gangster? And I was like, I did it one time. It was a joke. Oh. It was mockingly. If I start doing it as a bit. I don't know. Well, no, you're absolutely right, man. Look, man, at the end of the day, and this is the last thing I'm going to say because I re- this is the podcast with comics. Uh, we it doesn't it crosses a pretentious light at one point. No, you don't. You no, feel like it a, does. No, I. By the <laughs> I way, feel, always feel is, like I feel like I'm like we've just talked about how here's how cool we are and stuff, but we're, but we're not. No, just, we haven't. But that's the this is by the way the best podcast I've done since Stanhope. Like. Stanhope and I went out, and that's the other problem is that I'm like that guy's a genius. Talk about a guy who doesn't give a fuck. That, and he and happy lives a happy life. Really doesn't give a fuck. Nope. Re- no. and, and I still give a fuck. I because I, I, I'm doing it myself. Yeah. But I want it to do well. I want to figure it out. I want to do it my way and have it do well. Stanhope doesn't care. Doesn't give <laughs> yeah. a fuck. And and that's like holding him up to like a deity. That's like as a comic, you're like Stanhope. Yes. Yeah. He's uh he he's. Fucking! I don't want to hang out with him. I'm scared to death of hanging uh, out with him. I'm supposed to. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I made a promise to myself because every time he has a Super Bowl party, I've always wanted to go. So this year, I'm like, fuck it. I'm canceling my Sunday show. I'm going to fly out, and I'm going to go to Stanhope's in Bisbee for the Super Bowl. And, and as I'm like doing the, my wife's like, hold on. You're not spending it with your family? And I was like, I kind of always wanted to go to Doug's. Right. And she's like, hang on. Your kids want to want to see you. You leave out again. You're going to go fly to a guy's house to spend it? And I'm like... And then and and then it looks like I'm not coming home until like later Monday and and then I leave again Wednesday and my wife's like let's talk this out and I was like all right, all right. so but I but I love hanging out with that guy he had dinner with my family came out my, we did a podcast right just drinking fucking smoking cigarettes smoking cigars and then my wife comes out she's like it's getting dark we're gonna have dinner with the girls Doug would you like to stay and he's like I'd love to teaches my daughters how to do a spit take eating dinner with my kids literally holding on to the the fucking Santa Claus myth. In his the palm of his hands, going, I could ruin it for them right now. And part of me is like, is he going to do that? It was fucking. And then we did another podcast. We can't stayed out and did another one. <laughs> he was he's he's a fucking. My, he's like uh, you that he four walls his own theaters and just goes, I'll, I'll do it myself. I don't. Yeah, need my wife used to used to book him when she ran some of the funny bones, and she and and he's just she. It's a, he has what Hicks has, or like Doug can actually like, motherfucking audience so bad, and then flip it on a dime and get him right back. It's amazing to watch. He's someone like you who it seems very stream conscious off the top of his head, but is very meticulous about what he says. He's like, no, I fucking write all this shit. It has to be because yeah. if because there's some things I've listened to where and it's like like there was that football bit he did about the raping the football player that was on the last album. I was like, I was listening to the and I said that's like Carlin writing Modern Man. Like you, the words were it was so dense. Yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. I, I you know I love great comics. I love great comics, and and I don't think. 
I don't think great comics are just a certain genre. Like Maria Bamford, it, it blows me away. And then Doug, I can listen to Doug and it blows me away. And then I listen to, I can listen to Jerry Seinfeld still and go, wow, that's just that's masterful. Um, so I, I, you know, this, these people like get this attitude about comedy, like it's all like, oh, those guys, cause those, that kind of comedy sucks. Fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> I like all comedy. Maria yeah. Bamford, uh, Maria Bamford has blown me away literally twice. Where I went, like, I was like, what the fuck? When she did that, uh, yeah. that I need web to quit series. This. Yeah. And then, and and that, and I, I didn't know if it was real or not, or scripted, and it was all done from her bed. And I was like, "Oh, shut the fuck up!" Then she released a comedy album from her couch. She just (laughs) did her hour for her her parents. Yeah, and I was like, "Shut the fuck!" Both times I was like, "I was like, here I am thinking I'm doing something original. I'm not doing shit." Right? Exactly. I gotta fucking relook at the fucking paradigm. Yeah. Well, the problem is with it is that it's hard to. I mean, I, I, you know, there's, there's, there's only. I mean, Andy Kaufman. There's not a bunch of those. No, you know, there's not, not, a, not a bunch of genuine ones. No, there's people that have tried to do. They try. Hey, that works. Yeah, yeah. No, if it, he didn't, you know, he didn't care either. I don't know. Dude, we're, we're getting way off yeah. on track here, dude. So, so, uh, so yeah. Norman Rockwell. Uh, back to what we started. Norman Rockwell was the first time I became funny, and it's the first time I got done with that show and I felt freedom. Like I fucking like you. What you're talking about? Your little. That's a travel show. It's a yeah. travel show. Let's yeah. just be honest. Travel show. You're good at it. You're really good at it. But there's something you want to do and something you want to say. Fucking say it, man. Because you know why? We all have cameras. Everybody has a camera on their fucking helmet now driving yeah. around. You know, we're, uh, there's some stuff I'll tell you. Well, I'll tell you later. We'll do another. When, when it happens, I'll tell you. We'll do another podcast if you don't mind. I, I would love that. But I want to hear it. So I'm going to have you on our podcast after you get this next deal. And then you're going to tell us how. I'm, I'm done. All right. Thanks, brother. Awesome. Thank you, man. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.